Friday, February the 9th, 2024. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Time to talk about the Super Bowl as we preview everything 49ers and Chiefs with Eric. We'll get into a busy Saturday at Tampa Bay Downs with four stakes races on their card. Barry Spears joins me to discuss a couple of races with Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks points on the line. I will also talk about Saturday at Gulfstream Park. I'm going to go through races 8 through 12, and then I will touch on a couple races throughout the card at Santa Anita on Saturday. We finish up with Chad Cooper this week in wrestling. There was also a a recent WWE WrestleMania press conference. That was fun. I'll talk a little bit about what just happened there on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. She can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement. Or maybe you are needing help with the loan process. She'll connect you to a lender that will help make that process much, much easier. Full service realtor, Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. We're going to get into the Super Bowl preview with Eric, then Saturday Tampa Stakes with Barry, Saturday Gulfstream Late Pick 5, and then we'll touch on some of the Saturday Santa Anita races, finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Kick back and enjoy. We are here. Time to preview the Super Bowl, the big game. Eric joins me from ETOF21 Sports, and we've been here for all of your games throughout the NFL season. We previewed every single team, every single division, months leading into the year, and it's all come to this, Eric. And I have to say, it's just a good matchup. It's a really good matchup on paper. It makes a lot of sense. If we would have talked before the season and said, we're going to have a matchup of Chiefs versus 49ers, you and I would not have been surprised. No, not at all. This year has been really um, inconsistent. You know what I mean? There's been a lot of strange yes. things happening. But when you look at the big um, body of work, you can make an argument that these have been the two most consistent teams on a week-in, week-out basis. And what you're, you're kind of hitting at is some of the, the narrative-y stuff that I was thinking about to set it up, is that you've got the Chiefs, who are your champions last year, And most of the year, they don't look quite like themselves. Their offense really wasn't that great. Um, They led the league in drops. They turned the ball over more than Mahomes ever had. And they had a ton of penalties. They just weren't really dominant throughout a lot of the year. But then all of a sudden, during the playoffs, they've looked incredible. They've sort of, if you're just looking at the body of work in the playoffs, they've been the, the better team than the 49ers by far on both sides of the ball. And then you flip it around. San Francisco was just much better all year. They were much more consistent, much more dominant all throughout the year. But then on the flip side, they've been very lucky to get here. They should have lost both of their games along the way. And they've benefited and and needed like some strange bounces to happen for them to get here. So fascinating in that sense. And then you've got the two separate teams as far as, you know, their history in the Super Bowl. You've got Mahomes, who's been incredible. And Andy Reid now, who they've been, they're the proven team. They were just here last year versus the Shanahan team that he's had his struggles in the Super Bowls, right? As a coach, a head coach, and as a coordinator, he's blown double-digit leads. And we don't really know, we really don't know what to think yet of Purdy. Because while he's been excellent at the end of the last two games, he was bad at the start of the last two games. So, it's really fascinating when you have, you know, the the proven Chiefs versus the 49ers who are proven, but 
they've not gotten over the hump yet. They exactly. You have, I'm always the believer. You got to prove it to me. And they just really haven't proved it to me, especially Shanahan. When you look at Shanahan, how he's done in these elimination type games is he just hasn't been there. Um, no, hasn't been there at all. So, and he tried to spit it out the last two weeks too. There was n- almost nothing that I saw from him over the last couple of weeks that would have changed <laughs> my opinion on that particular point that you're making, right? He, his team played better later in both of the games, but his team was a beneficiary of some crazy bounces their way. And, you know, they all they need to do is play one good game here and, and they could still win. But if we're looking at the body of work over the last month, they just don't really feel like they're playing as well as they were earlier in the year. And the Chiefs feel right now like they're playing so much better than they were all throughout the year. Yeah, Chiefs are definitely playing a little bit better. Chiefs, obviously... The big thing with the Chiefs has kind of stood out to me as they're starting to go a lot more heavier, meaning two tight end sets, and that's really helped the run game. You look at the run game, they're running more. It's up 18 yards per game. Pacheco's getting more run. It just looks a lot better. Um, These two teams are both top 10 in time of possession because of there, right? They can lean on the run a little bit. They can control the game. So that could that's a really fascinating area that I think both teams could really exploit the other running the ball. Both of these teams aren't very good stopping the run. No, not at all. And, um, you know, I kind of expect that, you know, one of my first bets that, you know, I kind of locked in is tied in. A lot of my bets are kind of tied into that um, narrative, how I had kind of playing out that this is going to be a run heavy game. I don't think we're going to see that many passing yards. I think teams are going to lean on the run with that. It's going to be a slower pace. Um, So far in the playoffs, it's been a slower pace. With the Chiefs, as I mentioned, you know, a lot more two heavier tight end sets. And the 49ers for the season were the seventh slowest team per pace. So I think we're going to see that continue a little limited um, possessions, run the ball heavy to start the game, just because you don't want to have teams blow it. You know what I mean? You don't want to have mm-hmm. teams blow it in the first with some silly turnovers and everything. And, and so. think about the way that San Francisco has started the last two games, right? Yeah. They're probably a little bit trepidatious about you know, leaning on Purdy early. They'll probably want to run, 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 be very conservative early, try not to make a whole lot of mistakes. We saw them do that at the end of the half uh, last week. We saw them do that at the end of the half uh, two weeks ago. We saw them do that against Green Bay as well. So I I think that's going to be the game plan for both of these teams. It just, what ends up happening in football, right, Eric? It's, you have to stay patient and you have to be able to be, to be, disciplined and understand that sometimes you're you're calling plays to set things up sometimes you have to stay true to the run if you know it's going to get there and then other times you just have to be ready to call an audible and say hey look we tried to do this it's not working now we have to go in a different direction and i'm really fascinated by the matchup between these two teams in particular with a shanahan and a spags who are are both excellent and uh Getting into some of the things on the Chiefs' side, we have Reed, who's the fourth coach in history to make at least five Super Bowl appearances. He's led Kansas City to double-digit wins 10 of 11 seasons, eight straight AFC West titles, currently fourth all-time in head coaching wins, second in playoff wins. This is their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years. They're only the third team in history to have a stretch like that where they've made four out of five Super Bowls. They're trying to become the first back-to-back Super Bowl winner since 2003-2004. Six straight AFC championship, trailing only the Patriots who made it eight times in a row. 
games against the Dolphins and the Ravens in the playoffs this year, they did not run an offensive snap when trailing. Just dominated those games, start to finish. Um, and Mahomes is the first player ever at quarterback to start four different Super Bowls before the age of 30. So now let's think about this. It's kind of funny where we sit right now. He has 17 playoff games. So that's a full season, right? That's a full sample size of an extra season of just playoff games for Mahomes. He's 14 and three in the, in the against the best teams. You're playing yeah. against only the best teams. So in those six years, those 14 wins, that's more than any other quarterback in history. He has 39 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 106.3 passer rating. He has a 1.7% turnover-worthy play rate, which is a full percentage lower than regular season. You're not supposed to be better against these better teams. His last six playoff games, he has 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, seven yards per attempt, and he's completed 70% of his passes, and they're 6-0. and Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing, man. It's just, when you think about what he's able to do, it's just absolutely insane. I mean, he's just just winning at an insane level. It makes you feel, yeah, this is just one of the, it is just, just kind of like the Belichick um, Brady thing. Just two guys got together and it just works out. You know what I mean? Or yep. is this guy really that good? Like, if hypothetically, like, if he went to Chicago or if he went, you know, wherever. That, Houston, that's a great question. How good would they, how, how much could he pick guys up? Yeah, right? like how... How good, you know what I mean? Like, what would we, what would Mahomes look like? So, I don't, I don't know. It's something to, uh, you know, it's something to kind of ponder. But you can't really. There's no way of defining it. You know, no. maybe if he went to New Orleans, because Sean Payne is a pretty good offensive coach as well. But I don't. Just I don't know. unbelievable. But 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 on the counter to that, he has thrown four interceptions in Super Bowl games. And yeah. only three in his other 14 playoff games combined. His completion percentage drops from 69% in the first three rounds of the playoffs to 62 in the Super Bowl. Largest decrease among 13 quarterbacks with at least three Super Bowl starts. He also goes from eight yards per attempt to 6.3 in the Super Bowl. But again, we're, we're, we're nitpicking a little bit. He's been amazing. Kelsey has been amazing. Um, 262 yards and three touchdowns in three games this year. So now Kelsey has played at least three playoff games each of the last five years. He has 71 yards receiving in 12 straight playoff games. That's his lowest number of receiving yards in the last 12 playoff games. 71. Everything is above that. <laughs> it's just. I mean, I, the one thing that kind of stood out to me about, you know, two weeks ago. That's the most locked in we've seen Kelsey all year. All year. I mean, all, year. all year. And Hamilton couldn't do anything. Hamilton elite defending the tight end and coverage is an understatement. That's how yep. good he is. He's one, and, one of the top two or three in the entire league. And then when you see that, um, when you saw that, um, that touchdown on the first one, you know, it was kind of like, okay, okay, he's going to yeah, have a yeah. game. You know what yeah. I mean? Because that was just an insane. Hamilton had perfect coverage. And there was Absolutely. just nothing. And there was nothing you could do about it. He was locked in. And when what he's like that, are we going to see? Like, because he's not, historically speaking, the one game 
where he did against the 49ers. Um, that was a couple years ago. He when did they won. Well. They, he didn't, yeah. He did. He actually did pretty well. Um, now, you know, we talked about this, you know, when before they played the Lions. Warner's namely the guy defending the tight end, and he's elite. But if the Chiefs are able to run the ball, that's going to force Warner to come up against the line, and then you're going to be able to take advantage of that weakness of the middle of the San Francisco passing defense. Because the Ravens, in my eyes, kind of expose that attacking the middle, and that's what teams have started to do the second half of the season, yep. and we've seen them kind of be exposed. And what you were pointing out, which I think is a real, like a real key too, is that you're seeing the Chiefs using different personnel because they're really depending and leaning on just a few of their playmakers. They're throwing in extra tight end, extra blockers, going a little bigger because right now they're leaning on Kelsey. In the playoffs, he has 28 targets. Rice has 23. Nobody else has more than nine. They're going the Kelsey. The only guy that's had over four targets is scant MVS last game in a game. Yeah. So it's all Kelsey, all Rice, and then Pacheco runs, and they're just leaning on their best players. And when you feel like you have an advantage with Kelsey there and with Rice, you know, that's what they've done. Rice finished the season with 938 yards receiving. He's had 223 yards and a touchdown so far in three games in, in the playoffs. And Pacheco, how about him? His last six playoff games, he's averaged 18.7 touches and 90.5 total yards. He has a rushing touchdown in four straight playoff games. Really yeah. impressive. I like Pacheco and if, a lot this game. Me too. And if Kelsey was able to do that against Hamilton, you pointed out second highest grade safety in coverage grade during the season by PFF against that defense. It's probably going to be even a little softer here. And then on, on the chiefs defense, number two in yards allowed this year, allowed the fewest, uh, the third fewest yards per attempt. They have the second most sacks in the league, including the playoffs They've averaged uh, uh, allowing only 294 total yards per game. The best for the Chiefs franchise since 1995. The Dolphins and Ravens combined to score 17 points. They allowed 4.2 yards per attempt and a 55 passing grade when they used man coverage against Josh Allen, Lamar, and Tua. That's what's going to be interesting because San Francisco is very good against man coverage and Purdy has been because they have a lot of the man beaters, the man breakers with Kittle, with Debo, with McCaffrey, with Ayuk. And that's going to be one of those sort of strength on strength because this Chiefs defense, they forced three turnovers last week. I will say though, in you and I were talking about this during the game and even after, I'm going to give the Chiefs a lot of credit for what they did because we can't fault the Chiefs for what the Ravens game plan was but what the hell were the Ravens doing only running the ball six times the running backs throughout the entire game yeah that makes zero sense like it is, what it is. you know what right? I mean yeah another thing Justice Hill 70% of the snaps like what's what's your thought process there why are you giving him 70% of the run you know what I mean it just it just doesn't make sense to me like their whole thought process, game process, it kind of made me feel like they're trying to prove Lamar was just as It did. Good. It felt you like know. they were trying to prove he's it, a drop-back passer yeah. like Mahomes. He can make all the throws. And every game is different. 
Every opponent is different. You have to do what's best and what it makes the most sense against each opponent. And the other thing, it's kind of like the quote unquote Chiefs factor, Mahomes factor, whatever. Um, you feel perceived pressure. Um, you get down that early 7-0. Yep. And then you're like, oh shit, we need a score. Instead of just yep. staying with the game plan, running the ball, you start pressing a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. second quarter, you're down seven points. The game is far from over, but you feel that perceived pressure. So, you know, that that could have this effect on Shanahan. Shanahan's proven in the big game. He hasn't really tight. Yeah. So, you know, it's a real it's a really interesting matchup. Spagnola, Spags, Shanahan, Shanahan, Reeds, Reed. All these guys are just excellent with their halftime adjustments. I know Wilkes is getting like a lot of credit for what he did and for his second half adjustments against the against the Lions. He just played man. You know what I mean? It wasn't like any yeah. earth shattering thing he did. He's like, okay, we're gonna play man. And the Lions made mistakes. Yeah, the so Lions made just- mistakes. Fumble, two drops, and then a couple of questionable. And you and I have debated the Dan Campbell going forward or not. And what whether wherever you stand on that, the Lions did things themselves that were not the 49ers making plays, right? Those decisions yeah. were the were the Lions impacting how the game was going to unfold. Do they kick or do they, you know, go for it? And when they went for it, they even had the right play call and they dropped it. You know, and the drop pass, the drop pass that's a you know. A dropped interception that ends up a 55-yard bomb down the field. That was nothing from San Francisco. There was no skill on that at all. The fumble from Gibbs, that was a gift again. So these are things where, you know, they they didn't make a, uh, the adjustments as much as it felt like the Lions really got tight. And there were the Lions did not play nearly as well. And similar happened with Green Bay. You just feel like, if San Francisco runs into another team that plays well, they have a tough time. And, and you know, it, I, I'm that's where I'm kind of getting at here. And it seems like just kind of overall talking for one side or the other. Did you lock in a, like the Chiefs in this game? Uh, so I have a ton of bets this game, man. Yeah, and we're like, going to get to a, a bunch of them. But like, to, I, o- overall, you're, you're you're leaning more Chiefs than 49ers just on the side. Yeah. So I locked in. I got this at two and a half. I missed right off the, the bat. Three. Me too. And I look, I know that my model is going to tell me, it's telling me right now to bet the 49ers, but I, I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, the Lions coaching staff and their blunders blew that game. Liner, yeah. Liners haven't looked good in the playoffs in any of their playoff games. Last 20 years, favorites are 35% of the Super Bowl. That means dogs, obviously 65. One seeds in the Super Bowl are 42.9%. One seed favorites are 25% the last 20 years. Mahomes, 70.6% ATS in the playoffs. Mahomes, as, as a dog in his career, is 10-1-1. In the playoffs, the Niners defense has given up an average of 233 yards to Goff and Love. What is Mahomes going to be able to do against that defense? You have Love and Goff, who we could both agree on, is nowhere near the category of Mahomes, and he's able to shred those defense. Yep. I mentioned the middle of the defense of the Niners has kind of been exposed. I think that's going to be the centerpiece. I think Reed is going to look to take that up. Hamilton, one of the best safeties in coverage, and Kelsey killed him. What will the 49ers do? It's like a chess piece. You know, if they're if they start able to work Kelsey in the middle, no, if they're able to start running the ball with the Checo. That's going to force Warner to leave Kelsey 
make and an adjustment. Then you get the matchup, then you can take advantage for that. But we need to remember last time you had a game against Warner, he did go six for 98. You know what I mean? And that was last was year, and they beat the crap out of them in the regular season last year. Cause a lot, cause the 49ers haven't beaten Mahomes since yeah. he's been there in the, in the few times they played them. And it was a Super Bowl two years ago. And, and when they were up 10, and then the, you know, they come back and beat them 31 20. Then it was that game last year that really wasn't close during the regular season. Like they beat the crap out of them in that game. And another thing I'm looking at is I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. We've seen Bacheco be able to run the ball more. We've seen their rushing yards per game go up more. We've seen um, just them lean on the run game more. I think this is going to be a positive thing for them. I like Sanford. I like the Chiefs here. I played them at plus two and a half. I did uh, as well. Uh, a couple other points on the Chiefs before we flip over to San Francisco. Talk a little bit about them. Eric and I will give you some of our plays at the end, too. And we'll kind of sprinkle them in throughout as we as we uh, talk about any of them that are relevant. The defensive tackles. This is where San Francisco struggles also. Their offensive line is not very good. They have a great offensive lineman, and the rest of them are eh. DTs, Jones and Karloftis have 24 combined sacks and 54 quarterback hits this year, including the playoffs. Jones actually doesn't have a sack, I think, in his in the Super Bowl. But he gets up in big games and big moments and makes huge plays. And I'm expecting that to be here. They finish second in total quarterback pressures, hurrying, hitting, or sacking opposing passers. Almost 28% of dropbacks. That's a ton. Uh, They have a strong secondary with Sneed, McDuffie, and Justin Reed. And what we saw, players on their defense just played better and younger players now gaining more experience since week 14. They are fourth in coverage grade, first in yards per coverage snap, second in yards per reception, second in forced incompletions. Sneed playing very well, not committing penalties. They have young defensive back like Williams and Watson that have really helped them. And Connor, free safety, he's tied for overall grade seventh among 93 safeties since week uh, 14, and he had to fill in. They were aggressive last week. They were blitzing 20 times. They posted a huge pressure rate, four sacks. They allowed only three of 11 on third down. They won the time of possession in that game against Baltimore by more than 15 minutes. It was the worst performance by EPA per drive for the Ravens and the second worst by EPA per dropback in games that Lamar played this year. So um, that defense is strong, but like all Eric, there, there are holes too in the middle They've allowed 13 of 15 targets to the tight end. Maybe this is a Kittle game here. Uh, maybe a spot for him to work in the middle of the field. But um, I do think one major, major strength and one, if you're just matching them up, the special teams and the kicking game for Kansas City is so much better and more proven than for San Francisco. When you have Butker, who set a career high in field goal conversions this year, 33 out of 35. He did not miss one extra point all year. And he's hit all seven of his field goals in the playoffs. And we've got on the other side, rookie kicker Moody. He's missed at least a kick in his last three games. Hmm. Um, I think one of the key players of the game, you mentioned him when you're talking was Snead. Um, the 49, excuse me, Chiefs run a lot of um, two high safeties. And Ayuk in that coverage this year only has an 18% target share and he runs 
75% of his routes on the perimeter during the too high safety look. That means he's more than likely going to be shadowing, shadowed by Sneed just because Sneed doesn't go to the inside. So that means he's going to be on the best receiver on the outside of that side look because Debo's going to be in the, in the slot, if that makes sense. Yeah. And when you look at it, the Chiefs this year in the regular season only allowed 43.8 yards per game to opponents outside wide receiver once. So I really think if Sneed's able to take a piece away in Nyuk, that's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of the defense. I, For me, one of the guys I'm looking to fade is Ayuk. Is because I think Sneed's going to show Hoping Sneed can lock him down. Um, yeah. One of the things we've seen with this team, as I was pointing out, you know, they led the league in drops, the Chiefs, and in drop rate. But in the playoffs, they've only had two drops. They've cut their drop rate in half. But here's an example. Against the Dolphins, they dropped a pass, they botched a snap, and they had a penalty. Three different touchdowns got wiped out in that game against the Dolphins. It didn't matter in that game, but against the 49ers, it might. How about against the Bills when Hardman had that goal line fumble that allowed Buffalo to stay in the game? They have to play as clean a game as possible here. There was a huge play that went for them last week on the Flowers play, right? At the goal line, they get a strip, and it goes their way, and that flips the whole game. Kind of funny. The best part of that? Some I was some guy I follow tweeted out karma because I don't know if you remember they got the first down against the Chargers that like sealed the game. Yep. But he he ran it in for he ran it in and the guy tweeted at him like car he his it, tweet was you would have loved that score right then, right? That was one well, of those where my No, the tweet just he just added it him. He goes, As karma. a flowers, karma's a bitch. And then he That's retweeted great. it. Like I was saying, or something like I don't know. He like totally called him out, but that, that just reminds I, I got me a, I got a kick out of it. Me too. That's like when, my, when I was young, my dad used to always point that out in games. Like ah, oh, when the, you know when your team is beating someone big, you want to save some of those for the next time, right? You don't need to rub it in right then. And that's that's what it, that felt like right there. Um, so they are the ninth team in the last twenty years to pull off upsets in the divisional round and the conference championship. Six of the previous eight went on to win the Super Bowl. Mahomes is 3-0 and in the playoffs as an underdog straight up. <laughs> this is a crazy stat. So Mahomes, underdog in the playoffs, 3-0. and Brett Favre, Dan Marino, Steve Young, and Jim Kelly as underdogs in the playoffs combined, 3-25. and And Mahomes, 3-0. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, wow. overall in his career as an underdog, he's nine and three straight up this year for, uh, chiefs are 12 and eight against the spread, including the playoffs 49ers nine and 10, you know, this chiefs team actually didn't even score a point in the second half of the game last week. They're the first team since the 2010 Steelers to go scoreless in the second half of the AFC title game and still win. They only had 98 total yards and they went just three of eight on third down against a good Baltimore defense. One thing in this game, though, I think really we're going to see Spags, who is he's not really talked about enough, Eric, as each year, because he's not a guy who is as good, I think, during the regular season, because for him, it's all about the adjustments that you make. And for him, it's all game to game. 
being able to call things a little bit differently. That's what I like about him. He's not necessarily as flashy. His teams don't usually stack up as much like defensive counting stats, but in these big games and in these big moments reminds me a little bit of the Bengals coordinator. They just know how to make some adjustments in the games to, to make things a little bit more difficult on you. Spags is 17 and four in the playoffs as a defensive coordinator, three Super Bowl victories. His last in the last game against Baltimore, it was the second best game he's ever coordinated based on EPA per play in the playoffs. And you know, the best one ever was the win against the Dolphins three weeks ago. So two of the best games he's ever had by the metrics for defensive teams uh, have come in the last three games. And that's not a surprise. This is the best defense that Mahomes has ever had. Oh, by far, by far. And, but they still can't stop the run. You know no. what I mean? And no, like, no. And they look yep. back at it. That's just something that just kind of shows how bad they've been. I guess that's my point. You know and what I mean? And they've been fortunate to, to get up in these games in the playoffs too, right? It kind of reminds us of what happened with San Francisco all through the year where San Francisco would get up and other teams wouldn't be able to run the ball against them as much. Because you're down 10, you're down 14, you have to try to throw the ball. And then, okay, it's a little more difficult to stay consistent then. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, this 49ers team, they're in their third straight NFC championship game. They're fourth in five seasons. They just pulled off the biggest comeback in NFC title game history. This is the third Super Bowl for Shanahan, one as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, one as the 49ers head coach. Mentioned those games where he saw teams blow 25-point lead and a 10-point lead in those games. The Chiefs scored 21 unanswered fourth-quarter points back in that game in 2019. They were down by 10, and they scored 21 straight to win by 11. So in the fourth quarter of those two games that Shanahan has been the offensive mind, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach, his teams have gone 0 for 6 on third down, with a combined zero points, 39% completion percentage, and 4.3 yards per play. They get oh, wow. tight in the fourth quarter, man. They yeah. haven't, he hasn't completed a first down. Uh, but with a win in this game, the 49ers would become uh, in a tie for the most wins in Super Bowl history. They, but they haven't won one since 94. They did lead the league in scoring this year. 61 total touchdowns during the regular season. McCaffrey led the league in rushing and in total yards, 564 yards receiving, 1,459 yards rushing. He had 21 touchdowns. Brock Purdy, third youngest quarterback ever to start a Super Bowl. He turned just 24 on December the 27th. He's gone 21-5 and as a starter, including the playoffs. 44 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. This year, he was first in yards per attempt, top five in yards, touchdowns, passer rating. But he struggled a little during the playoffs. Against Green Bay, he had 10 off-target throws, which was the most he's had in any game all year. But there was at least two interceptions dropped. Didn't hurt him. Against the Lions, seven off-target throws. Same sort of thing. Probably two more that could have been intercepted that weren't. Didn't hurt him. He did complete 13 of 16 in the second half. Uh, And the scrambles. I mean, that was the key. Three scrambles for 52 yards, all of them giving San Francisco a first down. He also completed three passes on scrambles. So, Eric, there were six times 
You got him out of the box. He was moving. You probably thought you had him, and he either picked up a first down with his legs or threw a first down, and those are backbreakers. Those are just killers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, against the Lions, I mean, he looked great running the ball. I mean, the Brock Purdy stepping up in the pocket. And that's some athleticism we've never seen before. But that's going to give Spoles another thing to kind of, he kind of has to plan for. Now, this 49ers team is number three in scoring defense. They have six defensive starters who have been here in the Super Bowl before. But their defense, by all the metrics, is a little overrated, overhyped. Uh, by counting stats, they're good. But when you look at some of the advanced metrics, you know, they're they're not fantastic. They, in the regular season, they allowed the sixth fewest receptions of 14 or more yards. During the playoffs in two games, they've allowed 13 receptions of 14 plus yards. Yeah. Huge plays they're allowing. Uh, they're good at defending the middle of the field and the tight end. You've pointed that out a few times with Warner. But in the three matchups, with Kelsey and Mahomes, they've completed 20 out of 24 targets for 255 yards and a touchdown. Three games against the 49ers. Yeah. So they're not stopping them a whole lot there. Um, they should have lost both of their playoff games. They're down to Green Bay. They need a last-minute touchdown drive and an interception. Down 17 against the Lions. Drops, turnovers, failing fourth downs. Uh, all these crazy things they've needed in order for things to go their way. Now, another point, you know, Last week, we're talking about the Lions um, and the kicker. They they had a kicker who struggled, and that's one of the reasons might be why they didn't go for it. And the 49ers have a kicker who struggled in that same range. We saw him miss a kick that was like the same in range that Badgley was going to be asked to either kick a 45 or a 48-yard one. Moody, at least one field goal or extra point missed in each of his last three games. But some real positive stuff for this team, obviously. ESPN has a receiver scoring metric. They have Ayuk leading all receivers in catch score and overall score. Debo leads all receivers in yards after catch score. Kittle leads all tight ends in overall score. And McCaffrey leads all running backs in catch score. So they've got the best receiving running back, the best receiving tight end, the best receiver, and then the best player yards after catch. That's not bad, Eric. That's not bad at all. I mean, you can't <laughs> complain about. I mean, that that's you can't complain. No, that's that's really impressive. But the weak spot where we want to keep hitting on the run defense. They rank towards the bottom of the league in success rate and in rushing defensive EPA. DVOA, they were a little bit better. Uh, they they were fifteen, but it, that still shows you they're not even really that good. And and that's still only middle of the pack. They allowed the the Green Bay Packers to run for 138 yards. Jones rushed over 100 uh, himself. Last week, the Lions had 182 yards rushing, 6.3 yards per carry. The 49ers have allowed a 79% conversion rate when teams have third or fourth down with one or two yard to go. They're bad at stopping the power runs. Just not good at that at all. There were... Only three teams in the entire league that allowed a positive EPA on runs up the middle this year, the Panthers, the Giants, and the 49ers. I mean, this team is a, is bottom 10, Eric, in almost every defensive run, like advanced metric. They're really not good against the run. 
No, not at all. And it can definitely be exposed at. And I think they're going to look to take advantage. I think both teams are going to run the ball. I think this is and, and that, running thing and that kind of when you bet, it's important to kind of have narratives. Like it doesn't make for sense. For your betting. That makes yeah. sense to how you bet something. So, I mean, I have a lot of bets kind of tied in how I think it's going to be a running type, running type game. Um, you know, I could, the first bet that I have that kind of starts into that is, excuse me, I bet under nine and a half in the first quarter. I expect it to be a rush heavy team. I think both teams are going to look to run the ball because that's going to be slower pace. These defense struggled to stop the run. So I, you know what I mean? I just think we're going to see that running clock. 49ers play at the seventh totally agree. pace in the league. I expect this to be a lot like the Panthers 49ers game was when that first quarter, both teams just had long drives and the quarter was over and one team got three. KC has started to play a lot more two-end tight end sense, running slower pace. And you mentioned Mahomes' dot average depth of target. He's not throwing the ball deep anymore. That's important thing to remember is Rice and Kelsey, everything is underneath. MBS yep. and Watson are the deep threats. And then Tony, Sky Moore, and Hardman are only getting run now when the game is over and they're kneeling. So that's it. They've completely eliminated the deep stuff. Everything's underneath, a lot of running. So look, I, I like I bet the under nine and a half. And we also need to remember teams don't want to blow it early. They're going to be looking to run the ball, run the clock. They don't want to make silly mistakes. Everyone is going to be nervous. Tied in with that, I also bet the under 23 and a half for the first half. So the last 17 years, first half unders are 64.7% ATS. I feel, like I said, both teams are going to be looking to run the clock, sit on the ball. Not really sit on the ball, but kind of yeah, feel it out, put themselves in the position, feel out what the defenses are doing, not try to open it up. This isn't like the Chiefs and the Eagles last, last year where both teams were fast-paced. Not at they all. are running the ball and they're using the run to set up the set up the pass. And knowing now, that the that the other team's weakness is the run defense, it just yeah. makes the most sense to do this. And then tied in with that, I like betting more points second half than first half. Like I mentioned, first half under 64.7% the last 17 years. I expect that trend to continue. And in that sample size where the first half under hit, all those games, 80% of them, this bet more points second half than first half hit. In the last 17 years of the Super Bowl, when you look at every game, even if the first half over hit, the second half more points scored than first half has hit 65% of the time. Shanahan, Reed, ex excellent, just excellent halftime adjustments. I expect they're going to be able to take advantage of what these defenses are showing him. Look, I'm not a big Steve Wilkes guy. I think Reed is going to be able to exploit what he comes out with in the defensive end. So, look, I played more points second half than first half. But all those three bets are all tied Related. into I expect this to be a slow, lower scoring game. And the reason I like the second half more points more than the first half is you don't want to bet the first half under have it be like a 6-3, you know what I mean? Like 6-3 or whatever. And then there's only 10 points scored in the second half, and you're like, great, I bet the second half under. Doing it like this, you would have win the bet like that. It's kind of like when the Patriots and Rams played a couple of years ago. Yep. Now, uh, 
one or two more notes on on just Shanahan because I've knocked him a little, you know, about some of his weaknesses. But I do want to give him strength overall as a coach because he's just been a fantastic play caller and uh, a a coordinator. There have been 13 times when Shanahan's been a coach that he had a quarterback with at least 10 starts in a season. So you know, just what they're why that's important is consistency, right? If a guy gets hurt and you have to start two or three different quarterbacks during the year, it that's just hard overall. But if he has a quarterback start 10 times, it's happened, you know, 13 different times for him. They've averaged at least eight yards per attempt, eight out of 13 times. And so that's 61% of the time he has had a quarterback average eight yards per attempt. The entire rest of the league is 14%. And he's at 61 as a coach since 2008. So what does that mean? That means he is four times as likely to have a quarterback hit that threshold than any other team in the league. That And yeah. that's Jimmy G, eight yards per attempt, three times. Matt Schaub did it twice. Brock Purdy did it. Matt Ryan did it. RG3 did it. Completely different styles of quarterbacks. Yeah. Good, bad, talent levels all over the place. But the dude knows how to design plays and put his guys in the best position to succeed. It's it's just over you gotta and give him over. You got to give him props. His writing That's team will be um, – Eight and three yeah. in the playoffs, tied for the second-best winning percentage with coaches with at least 10 playoff appearances. But right now, this I think this will be the year now where if they don't win it, that might start to become a thing when they get to the playoffs now. Hey, is Shanahan the type of guy that can get you there but not get you over the hump? Because you'll look back at the, the three games this year and you'll say, wow, he could have lost all three of them. But if they win, that gets wiped away real quickly, right? Oh, insanely. No, yeah. Nobody's going to remember but that they should have lost the first two along the way. Winning cures everything. If you win, people are going to be fine with you and they're not going to – you know what I mean? That's something that's – important that we need to remember and you're right i think that is kind of lurking lurking over him right now and that's gonna it's human nature that could play a factor in his play calling and i it's, think i think we can all agree it's only a matter of time probably before he gets one though absolutely absolutely it was just like the stats that had happened where his teams had never come back when they were down a certain amount just with as much as as good as his teams and players are it was crazy that that hadn't happened by accident just because of what we saw the last two weeks where you play a team where they just make some mistakes and you don't even have to play that great. Yeah. And that, that yeah. happened back to back weeks where they played teams that may have been a little younger teams that may have gotten a little tighter down the stretch than they were and things bounced their way. And it could absolutely happen in this Super Bowl. where it's funny because I was thinking about Peyton, you know, Peyton, took a while to get the Super Bowl. And remember, that was always the narrative that Peyton wasn't good in the playoffs. And then he ended up winning two. But what's funny is, if you look back, he wasn't very good at either of those Super Bowls. You know, it, it really wasn't because of him. He, he, he got helped by the defense of the, the Colts and the defense of the Broncos. Um, but once you win one, it really... I think for every person in the world, except for Clayton Kershaw, that gets off of you. For some reason, even after he won, Kershaw Kershaw will never be able to shed that. Uh, I, I'll get into it with I mean, like, uh, but I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this about Kershaw. If everyone looks at the Houston 
Astros cheating scandal. I think the person that affected the most was is him. probably Kirchhoff. Absolutely. Because the whole narrative about his career flipped right then, really. Gone if that plays if he has there. two. Because if he, in that series, he was really good in a couple of the games. And then the one game that they blew, he was bad. But if he wins and they have two World Series and that one there, you know, everything is different. But he gets... It's 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 funny because this we're obviously on a tangent, but that's one of those things where I don't necessarily think you should just give him the World Series or give him a bunch of credit, but you shouldn't really blame him either, right? It, like it shouldn't impact him either way. That should be just like a year that you just put a line right through and you don't really judge off of. But it's hard because we all saw the stuff happen. We saw him, you know, up big. We saw the look on his face. We saw that happen, and we've seen it happen again since. But I, I, I think about that a lot with him and with some of these guys and, and the narratives and how now that narrative is, if is going to start to follow Lamar a little bit. Yeah. Right. And, sure. and now with Shanahan, if he doesn't win now, it'll be at least, Oh, you know, and you have to think about it now. And then for the fan base, you get to the point where, damn it, we've been here four out of the last five years. We haven't won any. And then it, it almost like the regular season you get this anxious feeling. It doesn't even feel fun. A lot of it. You're like, you're anxious until you get to the playoffs because you just want to get there and get through that to get over it. So, um, man, it's fascinating. I think we have so many really intriguing storylines. One thing I'm bummed out a little bit about Eric, you and I are going to talk at least a couple more times this week. And I know you have more plays that you want to mention, but my favorite thing to handicap with the Super Bowl is the halftime show. And I, I can't get as good of a feel for it this year with Usher. I, I was more old school Usher, a little more of like, you remind me, you know, and some of the ones that yeah. you and I might've known from like, you know, early Usher, but I can't get a feel for it as much as I could have with Rihanna or years past with Katy Perry and some of the others. So I'm going to really dive into the, uh, the set list and, uh, and some of my YouTube deep dives the next day or two. And, and we'll talk a little more later in the week on, on that one. But uh, share with us any of the other plays or any of your other thoughts on the uh, the big game. All right. Let me run through them real quick. Uh, Rasheed Rice over 65 and a half. Um, you know, I've been targeting Lenore. He's and we're I'm going to do it again here for the regular season. He allowed the six most yards for the season when the Niners run zone defense. Rice is one of the best in the league at yards per route, second on the team with a 24.3% target share in the playoffs. Also looking at the numbers, Rice and Kelsey are the only people Mahomes is targeting right now. I expect the 49ers to bracket double covered Kelsey. This is going to create more openings, more one-on-one situation for Rice. Facing four-man front, Rice actually leads the Chiefs in target share. Also, by a great margin, leads the Chiefs in the snaps played, plus since Thanksgiving. Rice leads the Chiefs in targets, receptions, and yards. I expect me to take advantage of this over 66, over 65 and a half yards receiving. Next bet, Debo, anytime touchdown plus 170. I expect a heavy dose of Debo here. Chiefs are elite outside defending the wide receivers, but if we just kind of look at the slot wide receivers, they've really been targeted in the playoffs. Flowers, eight targets, five receptions, buck 15, one touchdown. Shakir, nine targets, seven receptions, 44 yards, one touchdown. Cedric Wilson even had seven targets. We only had three receptions, 37 yards. I expect this trend to continue for Shanahan to look to car target Debo. Also, 
Casey runs a lot of four-man fronts. Debo actually leads the 49ers in target share during that defense. Also, I don't think we're going to see Elijah Mitchell at all. I think this when CMC does get rest, I think it's going to be a Debo backfield that he's going to get some rushing attempts in, inside the red zone. Also, Debo leads the 49ers in red zone targets anytime TD plus 170. Next one, Pacheco, over 66 and a half yards rushing. He's gone over this four of his last five games. He's gone over this every game in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he's averaging 84.7 yards per game, 4.3 yards per carry, 21 attempts per game. Niners are 15th DVOA defending the run in the playoffs. 49ers against the Packers, 136 yards and 28 attempts, 4.9 yards per attempt, with Jones having 18 carries for a buck 08. Against the Lions, the Lions had 182 yards and 29 attempts, averaging 6.3 yards an attempt, with David Montgomery having 15 for 93. The Snyder's defense can be rushed on. I've mentioned this a couple times. Chiefs are starting to go more heavier sets in the playoffs. They've gone from averaging 104.9 yards in the regular season to 108.3 yards per game in the playoffs, really leaning on that run game. Um, another thing, I'm looking at it. I found one book that allows you to fade head-to-head matchups in receiving yards. With that being said, I'm fading Brandon Ayuk. Sneed doesn't travel to the inside. He plays more of the outside. And Ayuk lines up there 75% of the time against two high safeties. He only gets 18% of the target share. Against number one wide receivers on the outside, Sneed has allowed 43.2 yards per game. Look, I'm fading Ayuk. I took Debo plus three and a half yards against Ayuk and Rice minus five and a half yards against Ayuk. And then I played small bets on Rice, 70 to one MVP, Pacheco, 35 to one MVP and Debo, 20 to one MVP. Man, we have a lot of similarities there too. Tons of similarities. Uh, you mentioned Rice and Pacheco props. I'm all over those ones with you. I'm going to sprinkle a couple more Kittles in, in the middle of the field because I think that's a, a spot where they will be able to hit. I also was able to get plus money on Purdy to throw an interception in this game over yeah. half of an interception. I mentioned all the off target throws and all the drop interceptions over the last few weeks to where, you know, if he continues to play that way, those are going to get intercepted. And yeah, over the next couple days, as we record this on Wednesday, we'll even have a better idea of uh, what the, the last minute prop market will look like and how as some of these have moved up and down. I've, I've pointed this out before one of these years, Eric, I'm going to sit down with my dad and we are going to bet a unit on the under of every single prop, <laughs> you know, just because that's what so many of them, everyone wants to go over and all of these props. Cause there's all these different players individually and they all <laughs> Like 60, 65% all go under at least, you know? So what? that's going to be one of my things one of this year. The the thing nobody wants to do, have under in every prop, right? Oh, every time oh, somebody yeah. gets a touch, you're like, oh, no, I lost that one. Oh, no, that one's done. But if somebody gets injured, um, you know, you go, a play, uh, you go a drive and one of the receivers doesn't get the ball, you start looking great. So when uh, this week, I already saw you had Dave Weaver on your show uh, to talk uh, football. And you will have your podcast that comes out again on Friday. Yeah, and my buddy David will come on and we'll talk. We uh, what we do there is he gives a first half bet, a side. I give a side and a player prop. We'll probably do the same thing. Also, real quick, Dave and I came up with this crazy 
and I never do these, but I did it for the Super Bowl. Crazy single game parlays. Here's our sure. single game parlay: McCaffrey to have over 150 yards. Okay. Debo anytime touchdown. Okay. Mahomes anytime touchdown has to be a rushing touchdown. Okay. Ayuk under four and a half receptions, and Rashid Rice over 67 and a half yards receiving. That is plus 20, a little over plus 24,000. Absolutely take a shot at that I one. Mean, that's one of those fun ones that you got to throw in. Yeah, yes. on the Super Bowl, that's when you do it. You have a little bit extra fun on uh, on those days. And anyone that's listening too, I have a couple extra um, Super Bowl square uh, pools out there, just $5 and $2 ones, nothing crazy. If you want to have a couple random uh random Super Bowl squares, just let me know. Shoot me a message, and and uh, you can just send me some money on Venmo or PayPal, and you can get in a couple of those squares. Eric's in uh, a few of them. Dan, uh, Eric's buddy, is also in a, a couple more. Um, and then you and I will be back on Friday for DRF Sportsbook. Um, yeah. We will preview the game a little bit more. We'll give out some other prop bets and uh, a, even more in-depth analysis there. And then we can talk if you want on Sunday to do a preview at some time before we can. Uh, um, but man, we've made it. We've made it here all the way through another season. We're here, man. You another know, one in the books, man. We're grinding it out. We're here. And uh, yeah, I mean, Sunday, yeah, there, there's like, I'm, there's nothing going on Sunday. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down, dude. I'm, yeah. We'll jump, we'll jump in and do at least, a, you know, we can do it in a nice 20, 30 minutes in the morning uh, before uh, the big one comes up. And we appreciate all of you for hanging out with us through the years with uh, Eric and all of the content he has and a lot of the different shows that I have. We really wouldn't be here doing it without all of you and your support and you listening in. We love interacting with all of you. Whenever we have shows that are live, please come on in and share your comments and let us know positives, uh, negatives, how your wagers are, stuff that you're playing throughout. And then we'll uh, we'll change the uh, the conversation to some NBA and some college basketball after uh, we finish up with the NFL this week. Eric, we'll be following you at ETOF21 on Twitter, at ETOF21 Sports all over the place. Thanks so much, buddy. Let's crush it this week. Best of luck, man. Let's make some money, dude. Folks, if you're listening on the podcast, there's a lot more to come on That's What G Said. If you're just checking this out on social media, thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure to give Eric a follow, give myself a follow, and we hope that you have an awesome Super Bowl Sunday. Another big day of racing coming up this weekend, and this time we're going to be heading out to Tampa Bay Downs to talk about a four-stakes Saturday card with Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby points on the line. We will dive into those DRF past performances. I say we, me, Gino Bacola, my good friend Barry Spears, the sniper, and like always, we'll look at those DRF past performances. Remember, you can get DRF past performances for free with DRF bets. So if you sign up for a DRF bets account, use the promo code stakes and then follow some of the instructions when you're signing up, they will give you a match deposit bonus of 200 bucks right back. So your 200 turns into 400. Then they give you 10 free past performances right off the bat to start. We're going to be looking at the formulator card. And then every time you bet 50 bucks, you get another credit 
for formulator PPs. And Barry, right now, you're going to need a lot of credit because it's the time of the year where every weekend it's a different track having their big day or one of their big days where they'll have a, a big Kentucky Derby prep race or an Oaks prep race and a few stakes races. Last weekend, there were four different tracks that had them. This weekend, it'll be Tampa. Next weekend, it'll be Fairgrounds. Following that, it'll, I think, go to Oaklawn. And then the March the 2nd is another one of those big days where there's three or four different tracks. So this is, as a horse racing fan, it is my favorite time. Right as football winds down, you get these really great Saturdays, weekends where you have such big racing. Yeah, it's it's this is what we live for as horse players, you know, the derby trails heating up and then all the big races at at the uh, you know, prospective tracks where um, you know, they have their big days and and you know, and and then you throw on the Pegasus too, that was a great day of of betting and and racing. So, it, it it's just it, it the excitement goes and the weather is getting warmer and and everything. So, everybody's excited, including me. And Tampa is one of the tracks that you go out to a lot. I think you're going to be heading out there this weekend on Saturday for the big yes. day. And so we uh, decided let's have our focus be Tampa this weekend because they are going to be the center of attention for a lot of racing fans. There are four stakes races on the card. We're going to dive into them right now for Saturday, February the 10th. They start in race number five. So we are going to look at races five, seven, eight and 10. We'll talk to you about all four of the stakes races on the card and we'll start with the sun coast. This is a Kentucky Oaks prep race. There are Kentucky Oaks points on the line in here, Barry. We'll have two horses that I think will take a lot of money. We, we can start with life talk. Who's three to five on the morning line for Pletcher. She's a grade two winner. She was actually in the breeders cup juvenile Phillies and she did not run that poorly that day. She finished fourth. She's only beaten three lengths. She was behind just FYI and back-to-back races. Two of her three defeats, she's lost to Jeff's FYI. And her other loss, she came, you know, she had by a head in her career debut. So, you know, she's honest. She's done well. But these are horses that we see at this time of the year in prep races like this, that if you are going to try to beat them, it might be now because Life Talk is a horse who you'd think they want to have to they want to try to prime for the Kentucky Oaks. So this is just the starting point for her. This is step one of maybe two or three steps along the road. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, this is definitely, you know, in their plans as far as getting them to the Kentucky Oaks. Um, and they catch a, a really weak field here. Um, but, you know, if, if you can find a way to beat Life Talk in this race, you're probably doing something good, especially, you know, it being the start of a pick four, you know, pick threes, things like that. If you can find a way to beat this horse, but I really couldn't. <laughs> she's t- she's going to be tough. Let me, let yeah. me try to talk you into one who I, I'm going to p- put in exotics with life talk. And I think is a little interesting in here. And that's the number six gorgeous yes. girl. Yeah. On that's the what I was going to say. That, that was probably the only other horse I could see that, that has some, potential to, to, yeah to, to kind of upset the apple cart here because i mean life talk on paper she towers like over the, the only speed right and ta- mean, towers over the field i mean managing mischief has a lot of speed but i don't know if if she's fast enough and that's that's where i'm hoping with gorgeous girl is that i'm hoping managing mischief gets out front and maybe Gorgeous Girl can sit right behind and, and get a little bit of a jump on Life Talk. If they get a little more patient with her, perhaps cutting back, 
and she's coming out of some of the aqueduct races where not sure if they were going quite as fast early on. I'm looking at the outside with gorgeous girl and I'm just going through her progression, her races overall and the progression she's shown in her career debut. We can just eliminate that race going five and a half. She actually got money. She was favored that day. She comes back and she breaks her maiden winning in her second start. She gets a little more distance. Then they put her on the grass in her third start. Just put a line right through it. Doesn't, doesn't fire that day coming off of, a couple month break. She's off from September to December. She shows back up against the boys and she runs on December the 20th uh, against boys that day. I thought she ran really well. She was facing a horse named God's got it. And this is a horse who was dropping out of stakes races uh, three in a row. He'd been in against stakes company at Presque Isle at Woodbine and here at Tampa behind Patriot spirit and crazy Mason. A couple horses we're going to see in the Sam F Davis and remember, that was just her first start back in a couple months. She ran really well that day. She finished third. And then she comes back on January the 13th, and she chases Mystic Lake, who goes wire to wire. And Mystic Lake's a nice horse. Was coming from Woodbine, is a grade three place, multiple stakes placed horse. So she lost to a horse going wire to wire last time out. I thought she closed really well. And I'm hoping from a trip standpoint, she's in a good spot. She seems like she's improving, stepping forward. These are the types of horses who, you know, in two months, she probably won't be anywhere close to as good as Life Talk. But if she's a, if the Life Talk's away a little slow, if they don't get as aggressive here early, and they let a couple of these horses get out front, that's the way you can beat a horse like this. And I'm hoping to see Gorgeous Girl sit in second maybe from the outside. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, like, like you laid it out, um, if the five – managing mischief goes to the front. There is a situation where uh, the six gorgeous girl could box in and yep. make things a little bit tight. Exactly. Something just talk. like that, right? Just mm -hmm. the horse gets a little caught behind horses. Gorgeous girls right there. Just kind of falls into it. Wasn't this the same sort of situation? Was it last year with Wonderwear? Oh yeah. When, Wonder Wheel. And yeah. when, oh, uh, where they got beat coming off the long, like coming their mm -hmm. first start off the bench to a big long shot. I think the horse is running later on today. Yeah, dreaming, uh, dreaming of, of snow. snow, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the type of situation I think you're looking for. I mean, power squeeze jumped up. It's always tough when a horse improves that much on the speed figures. Yeah, right? it was dressed you, up. I, I think that horse was dressed up. That was a, that was a perfect trick win. Yep. And I, I think that might be an outlier figure. Um, the the horse that that kind of I thought might be very very interesting that you probably won't get too good of a price on is the one. Yeah. You could ask for Mo. I, I mean, you know, just Shug's training patterns, this horse kind of fits the description because you see the horse started out in a seven furlong race and Shug really doesn't crank him up all that much to win first time out. Stretched him out at Tampa and the horse won pretty good against a, a fairly weak field. But I think this horse has more speed than than what the, the PPs kind of indicate. I agree. Um and, and this horse might make it a little bit difficult for Life Talk early. If this was a bigger field, I would I would take more of a shot against Life Talk. But because you, if you're worried when you have these smaller fields, less of the traffic and the trip issue comes into it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because you see these horses a lot of times in the smaller fields, the jockeys will ride them a little more aggressively, which is what you have to do. If you have a better horse, you don't want to have them distanced in a small field and you don't want to get them beat. You keep them in there and you. I've always been under that, the aggressive rides, 
You want horses yeah. to pass you if you're the best. And I think that's what they'll try to do here too with keeping life talk in, in the race. But perhaps they're just, you know, maybe a, a little short and we're worried about the next step and then the final step along the uh, the road. And Gorgeous Girl might be a horse who, this is just an important race right now to win. Right, for, exactly. For Gorgeous Girl. And yeah. at 10 to 1, we'll offer you some fair price. Third start off the bench. Lots of little things to like for uh, a, a one horse who will be offering you a fair value, local connections who win a ton here, you know, li- little positives along the way. Yeah. If, if I'm Todd Pletcher, I'm telling Jose Ortiz just to go to the lead and go. Yep. Forget I, the five. It, like, just, yeah. you know, just, even if that horse goes with you, just go, go because you're better. <laughs> you're better. I, I mean, man, managing mischief is stretching out for the first time. So, you know, they're going to be on the engine um, or trying to go to the engine. But if life talk is, as talented as his his uh, his uh, price they they paid for him, he's probably better and and will go to the lead. I would hope, but you never know. I mean, you, you don't know if Todd's like you know you want to teach this horse something. We don't want to you know if he wins fine, if she wins fine, but you know they may want to teach this horse how to rate. One but of the we'll see <laughs> two Kentucky Oaks points races this weekend. Santa Anita has one as well really looks like a two horse race there on paper with a couple of them in that one let's flip the page to the next stakes race at tampa on saturday race seven is the minaret fifty thousand dollar sprinter stakes race six furlongs on the dirt here barry uh horses that'll take money in this one dream concert's been very honest and been in good form as of late shy town lady is a grade one winner won the test back in 2022 but she's got a real spotty overall resume she races and then has lots of gaps so she's one that's tough to trust and she doesn't really have a whole lot of early speed so she might be a tough horse at a short price she'll take some money uh unifying source who actually we saw horses in the last few weeks that have faced unifying recently i think she'll take some uh some support in there talk to us about race number seven at tampa on saturday yeah at first glance this race looks like it's loaded with speed but I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. I, I you know, I agree. It it, it kind of gives you the appearance that everybody wants to be forwardly placed, and I don't think that's the case necessarily. I mean, you have a horse in Poema, who is a stablemate of the horse that I kind of like um, here, Dream Concert. Uh, that horse probably will be setting the pace here. Beyond that. It's kind of a toss-up. Maybe the nine will go, but I, I don't think that horse is, is particularly that fast. Um, but I think Poema is definitely going to be on the lead. I don't think Dreaming of Snow really wants the lead, especially on the cutback. Yeah, I don't think she's that fast as just as some of these in here. I think that's just a little too much to try to ask of her. If she tr- if she is close, I, I just don't think it'll be a positive for I her. I mean, I, if you look at her races – Early, she was fine. I just yeah, don't think she's as fast she just, as that. When she's the controlling speed, she could do it. But I don't think she's she's as quick as, as Poema or even uh, Lady Radler. Um, and that, that's the horse who's a little interesting to me. Because I think she can I think she can sit a little bit off from where she's drawn and cutting back from seven. I like the races that she cuts out of. Like the two back race in the Dogwood, can she run like that again? Where she's a length off sitting the pace for I was you started pointing out dream concert and I'll let you get back to her in a minute my approach in here is I'm gonna just play against the two yeah I mean yeah I mean with the with the pace scenario that we're laying out here now 
Yep. It's really going to be tough for that one to win unless she's and the spots in far superior and she doesn't get to the races often. Um, she does run well when she's she's on the track, but she's sure she's man, fair. She just doesn't win. No, and with her <laughs> with her running style, with the short price that she will be, uh, my approach in this race in in multis, I'm going to use the one, the three, and the four. I think, uh, and I and the long shot who I'm a little intrigued by is the seven because of the speed that we're talking about with Paco aboard. This horse might not be as good as a lot of this field, but if she catches a flyer from out there and maybe the one takes back a little bit and tries to sit behind, I just think she might be forwardly placed in this race, and that could really help her in a race where we don't think there's that much. Paco aboard, she could be up front. So I'll probably use combos of those ones I mentioned, one, three, four, and seven, uh, as you wanted to hit more on the one. Yeah, I I think this horse is just you know, kind of, you can see the steady progression in this horse's, you know, trajectory. If you take those two turf races out this summer at Saratoga and Monmouth, you can see this horse improving just bit by bit. Um, not and really remember sure money's gold experiment with the turf, but in that race, when she lost by 18 lengths, the winner, yeah, won by 17. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the winner so, won by 17 and a quarter. And she was second. Day. She was second. She so, was good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was there that day. I, I've seen all of this horse's races. Um, and She's honest. He's very, very honest from the jump. I, I picked her that day on, on uh, Tampa Bay Derby Day when she broke her maiden. And, and, and the sky's been going up ever since. Even the last race, uh, going two turns, she ran a hell of a race and just got nailed late. Um, and I think the cutback helps this horse as well as having the stable mate as the table setter. So... That horse I'm definitely going to use, probably Dreaming of Snow also, who could rate a good trip behind Poema the same way she did on December 9th um, in that $100,000 claimer at Tampa, no less, going seven. Um, I'm not really sure that six is really this horse's best distance, although she's one, but she was far superior than the horses that uh, she ran against when she was running six. I'll give her a shot here because it could set up for her. Yeah, because you know what? Think about how the horse is right next to her, right? Mm -hmm. Not as fast, not nearly as fast. They're not going to be up close, unifying or Chi-Town Lady. So she doesn't even have to really go fast to probably be able to secure herself a nice spot just behind the leaders. I don't feel like I'm as worried about her from the rail as I might with some others, or if there were faster horses right next to her, that might push her a little bit, but she should get out in front of both the one and the two and whatever she wants to do with horses like lady Rattler and uh flag woman and Poima, then she'll be able to sort of pick her, pick her path there. Right. Do, am I going to go or do I want to track, you know, in that second flight? Yeah. And, and my f- fear as a, as a horse player is that dream concert will probably go off favored. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that kind of throws me away, um, or, you know, kind of gives me a pause for cause, uh, with dream concert, especially breaking from the rail, which isn't the the best place to be. Um, Gallardo's going to have to get this horse out, but not, you know, full out to the lead to to where they're setting the pace. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a tough situation. Um, so dreaming of snow actually rates a kind of a better trip. Than, than what dream concert will get. And and I'm also with you with, with flag woman, because that, that one can just fall into a, a decent trip given what, what may play out. The horse who I wanted, I, I made a note to bet back. I'm just, 
I'm going to throw her into a pick four, but I, I don't know if this is the exact right spot is unifying. She had legitimate trouble last time out in that Mary quite contrary race that we talked about mm-hmm. last month. And she had a good start. She was just behind the leaders and she got caught. She got shuffled back. She had nowhere to go. She was all the way back to last in that field. Uh, they have of, needed the race too. Yeah, yeah. And it was, she hadn't run since June. She just, there's a couple of races where she's shown a little more speed, but she really isn't that fast early. Like she wants to be more sitting. And so that would be my only concern in here because we're mapping out a race where we're not exactly sure if they're going to be going at it. I could see three or four horses just being content with where they're placed early. Yeah. I mean, unifying showed speed going a distance mostly. I mean, other than now, the main yeah, breaker. Because the, and the main races are tough because right. when, against sometimes, like we were saying, it's just been you, better. You, you feel be like better. you're better and you just yeah. send them, but that's probably not where she can beat good horses Correct. doing things like that. Yep, but that's exactly how I see it. <laughs> she she's nice and she's honest, and I think she's going to have a nice year and some nice races coming up. I'll probably throw her in a spot because if she is four to one, nine to two in a pick four in this race, in your third or fourth choice, that's not bad. I just I like a couple of the others more that we were talking about. I kept I kept coming to get, get into Lady Rattler, hoping that we could eliminate the last race because that was the one that sent her to the bench for a little. Mm-hmm. The Presque Isle race on the synthetic tossed that one, tossed the turf. And now all of a sudden you've got a grade three win here. You've got the nice win here at uh, in a stakes race at Prairie Meadows. You've got, you know, a couple races last year in stakes races behind Dorth Vader and Key of Life that are not bad. So the, my only concern would be, you know, you're, are, you're getting almost to like four months now with the layoff, <laughs> you know? So that's two months, two and a half. I'm not really I don't get too worried with certain horses in layoffs, but now once you start getting into that 61 to 180 day range, that's a little more to where I could see this horse maybe being a little, a little short, but um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in Poema as well, because there's a situation where that horse can get loose. And, and she's also sat off a little bit too. Right. She She's formidable, but I think the idea is for that horse to go to, to the go. Front. Um, you know, and 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 there's there's a situation where that horse can shake loose and absolutely and, and really give it a go, um, because the nine is is kind of the wild card here. What are they going to do? I mean, the horse isn't particularly that fast, but could get in the way and have and, to and, go right. And I don't know if that horse is actually fast enough to to actually get the lead here, unless they they let that horse go. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Poema rates a, a probably a better shot than uh, what the morning line maker gave. Let's go to race number eight. This one is the Pelican, $100,000, six furlong stakes. We have some nice horses in here, some accomplished horses. You have uh, Sibelius, who won this race last year and then mm-hmm. went on to win the Golden Shaheen in 2023. And most recently, was pretty impressive in the Mr. Prospector and earning a nice 95 buyer speed figure winning that day. I do think there's a pretty good amount of speed in here, though, for a horse like Sibelius, who wants to be forwardly placed. As you look at horses like Mish, who's pretty quick. Super Ocho has just one way to go. Dr. Oscar doesn't really want to sit off at all. And from the rail, Hurricane J has to go. And with that rail drop. So you have, I think, at least four horses who are going to be pushing it. And when you have Nakatomi, who's making his first start of the year, 
another situation where I'm looking at a horse like him. Maybe he's a tad short. Maybe they're trying to get him primed for bigger and better. So I was looking for a horse that was not necessarily one of those. I think I kind of worked my way out to Carmel Chip, who's Mm -hmm. not nearly (laughs) right as good as some of these, as maybe as talented overall. But damn, this horse loves to win and should probably get a really nice trip. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. I, I I was really questioning the morning line here with them making Nakatomi nine to five favorite. This horse doesn't really win all that often either. Super and, honest. And, and needs and needs a trip. You know what yep. I mean? Needs some pace to run into, which you know he's gonna get, but hasn't run since November. You kind of think, you know, maybe this isn't the the, the one they want to win. I, no. I see the horses here. You know, it's a hundred thousand dollars stake. It's not a grade one, it's not a grade three. You gotta think that this is a tune up for something else. Yep, something at Keeneland probably next month. Something I don't know what you know for Sibelius, they're going to hope to go back to Dubai mm-hmm. for him. I think that's the plan. Actually. Yep, and so he will hope to get a nice another prep under his uh, under his belt and then ship on out there. But getting to Carmel Chip, who is no doubt a horse who's been running against softer company when you compare it to the rest of this field. But if you look at what this horse has done recently, so. January, the it was January 8 of 2023, dropped all the way down for 8,000 and was in for eight and one. And then after that, two races in a row, lost to a horse named Concrete Glory in a starter. Concrete Glory is an 11 time winner who was in the middle of a three race win streak and had won six of eight. Really sharp horse. Um, Overall, so let's just keep going through what this horse has done over the last 13 months or so. The two losses to Concrete Glory, following that, one, two, three, four wins in a row. Against much softer, but always sitting just off the pace, within striking range, looming up, in hand. All these races could have won by as much as they wanted. Then at Monmouth, June 25th, every time... He loses. When you look at the horse that he loses to, it's a horse who's in incredible form. <laughs> in form and great. <laughs> Un- Bodie's Maker was a, was a 14-time winner, and Bodie's Maker was in the middle of a big win streak. The third and fourth place finishers were also next out winners in that race. So uh, looking at Roses and Rough Sea, both came back to win their next start. After the Bodie's Maker race, July the 23rd, he runs into a horse named Colonel Bowman at Saratoga. Colonel Bowman is a 10-time winner who is in the middle of winning seven out of eight at this point. He just is facing all of these Monsters. really tough horses <laughs> at these low protected starter allowance levels because those horses just know where they fit. They're really nice. They're really honest. He runs into ever so mischie- uh, mischievous in a first-level allowance race. And following that one, ever so mischievous goes on to win uh, a stakes race at Churchill, the grade two 49er, and was actually favored in the cigar mile at Aqueduct. Didn't fire that day. It was on a, a muddy track. So you could just eliminate that race. You just go race by race for Carmel Chip. Is he as good as some of the others? No, no he hasn't. He hasn't proven it against graded stakes company, but he shows up every time and fires. And when he loses, it's always to these really sharp 
really honest horses like a salt shaker was a horse who he lost to a couple starts back at Keeneland. That's a 12 time winner who was in the middle of winning five out of six, just great form that this horse has been in. And I think he could fall into a really nice trip in here, Barry. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, what's going to keep his price high or higher on the higher side is those wins on the sloppy track. You know, you see those three wins that he has on a sloppy track and people are going to say, oh, well, you know, he, he's probably just a, a wet track horse. So it's not going to be wet on, on, on Saturday. That's for sure. Nope. Um, and they may discount this horse, but I, I think this horse rates a good shot. Um, if, if Sibelius is anywhere near three to one, I, I may empty every cent I have on him, but I, I think he, he's probably going to end up favored. The, really they would, I think I could see them flipping like Sibelius at yeah. nine to five and Nakatomi at five to two, just three because to one. of running style, you know, exactly are hard to get to, um, in, in, especially in races like this at six, if it six was seven, long, be I, I would, I would feel a lot better, um, you know, that Nakatomi is probably going to fire a good shot. But at six, the horse is one for seven at, at, at six furlongs. It doesn't seem to be his best distance. Um, albeit this this field isn't the greatest, but you still have some horses that can burn it up up front. Yeah, some and, speed. And, so that's the key. Yeah. Um, but, you know, nine to five seems awfully short, especially with Sibelius in this field. Who, very who's short. Very formidable, doing the same thing he did last year. Went to the Mr. Prospector. Uh, going to this race and then probably going to Dubai. Um, so if I get anywhere near three to one, that's it's go time on Sibelius. A horse who's interesting to me in just because last year he threw in some good races. Is Little, Little Vic. Vic yeah. Right. That's and it almost horse. looks like that Tom fool just took something out of him. You know, he had, that, he had that stretch of races in a row between three or, you know, the Laurel race and then at Aqueduct and the Toboggan and the Tom Fool, really good races. And then, you know, the Carter, he just doesn't fire. And the last couple really wasn't the same. But now he's got plenty of time off. He starts this year. And he could, he's shown us that he can sit off a little bit, which could be really Beneficial. impactful in this yeah. race, right? Mm -hmm. If he's sitting third, just like he did in that Tom Fool race, and he lets a couple of them go, he's classy enough. He might just need the benefit of one race for a better effort, but I have no problem throwing him in and pick fours. If he's in the five to one, six to one range. Well, uh, look at where he went after, after that, that Tom fool win grade one, great top two, company. Right? right. And he's clearly not good enough to be no, he's not the likes of, of, of elite power or gunite. Nope. Um, but this field is something that this, horse well, I mean, he handle. beat Nakatomi, right? Perfect he's example. In, exactly. in the Tom fool. That this is the type of race where he can win, and because of his running style, he can beat a horse like Nakatomi because he can get the jump on him. So, if you are looking at this race and thinking maybe it will set up, maybe you want to throw a little Vic in at six to one in some of your uh, your pick five, uh, pick fours, pick fives, however, you're playing the yeah. fun Saturday card. Playing, playing multis, I, I would use the six, seven, and eight. Yep. Let's continue along to the feature race on Saturday. Kentucky Derby points up for grabs in the Sam F. Davis. And Locked was a horse who was supposed to be running in this race. He got sick. It shouldn't be anything too serious. I think they're just going to reroute him to a different race coming up in the next few weeks. But I do think because of Locked not in this race, it's actually a more interesting race from a True. betting standpoint. Because I, I did hear that there were three or four horses that may not have run. 
and they decided to because they felt like it's a little more wide open. They could probably get some points. Um, Agate Road is a turf horse trying the dirt. We see horses like this all the time in the early parts of the Kentucky Derby uh, season where they want to see if they're good enough to get some Kentucky Derby points here. If they are, then they can take another shot in a dirt prep race or two along the way. If not, they know they're fine on the grass. They can go right back to it. So they'll get a roll here, uh, Agate Road. And Change of Command, those are probably the top two that'll go as your top two betting choices in here. Change of Command has been pretty sharp in the last two, looking for three in a row. Barry, he's lost to a couple nice horses in Fierceness and Sierra Leone. And he's in really nice hands for Suge McGahee. So those, those are the two from a talking standpoint to start with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The races, you know, that that's where you, you would start. I mean, Agate Road, I, I just don't like at all in this spot. Or totally playing against him. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know. He'll just be he too short against... for his win chances. Can he win this race? Absolutely. Sure. He's the type of horse who I'd want to be six or eight to one in a race like this, though, as a wild card. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be five to two. Or exactly. Below. Yeah, probably less than that. Uh, probably closer to two to one. Yep, to and wouldn't even shock me anything lower than that. Honestly, yeah, with these I, connections. I, yep, and, and you know, I I don't think they're they're really gonna bet any of these horses really down hard. I, I mean, I could see a situation where change of commands, you know, uh, nine to five, and I agree Agate Road Agate Road's two to one. Yep, or maybe and then everybody else is six to one and above. Right. And then that's that's what we want to see as horse players, because I, I don't really like either one of those horses, to be honest. Uh, well, you I know, it's funny. It's... I was just reading an article in DRF, and that's why the blinkers are coming on change of command. And Suge McGahee was meant. I think Dave <laughs> Grenning wrote it and he said, I don't like the way this horse finishes, <laughs> which I did. I thought it just stood out to me like, whoa, OK, that <laughs> but he pointed out he thought that in his last race he was going to win easily going away and he didn't yeah and he he makes it harder on him than he should and so that's something to note with a horse that has some speed hasn't really come from more like off the pace at all and he's going to be a short pace a short price it's funny because uh that day uh me and chuck were texting and he said the same thing he's like well the horse looked like he was just gonna blow this field away and and he just kind of didn't he just kind of stopped and it really didn't look like the horse was kind of looking around um you know because usually you'll see horses head kind of move towards the the stands or to the infield when they're when they're kind of just playing around um didn't really see that so it, it was kind of bizarre that this horse didn't didn't finish with authority and and it does a little bit of a concern um i see they're they're obviously breaking out the blinkers so so this horse can correct that but man i don't know there there could be some horses here that that have some upside especially the seven copper tax he really caught my eye um mainly because the surface at aqueduct is real deep and he may not have liked that track especially in the mud um it's, it's probably a lot deeper than than what you would want um especially a horse that that likes wet tracks has two wins at, at, at Delaware on, on muddy surfaces. Um, He's but, a must use to me if you're in any sort of late exotics. I think right. you, have, you have to use him. But has the speed to compete with these horses. Um, same thing with Fulmineo. And, and I like this one better, A, because of the price, but B, because he came back running. 
and 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 especially on the dirt because there was there was some question marks here um i had the question mark i actually had the winner in that race um but i thought fulmineo was a little bit over bet but the horse proved that he can handle the dirt and will probably kind of come out of that race and improve and at 15 to 1 is worth a shot in a race like this where it could be a little bit chaotic because well, I mean, look, think about man really want the lead here. I probably think, look, not. He was a he was not far behind Agate Road on the turf, and he has the benefit of a recent dirt race under his belt, right? Versus Agate Road, whose dirt race came early in his career in a race that was taken off the turf. I think Wasn't the jury cool? is out on us knowing if he likes the dirt or not. The six, right? I yes. think we can say we don't know. At least we know now that Fulmineo has a a good effort. Over this track on the dirt recently, I would absolutely throw him in to yeah. exotics. I'm playing this race, I think, similar to how you are, where I'm going to probably go four or five deep with some of that, the next tier of prices and not the top two. Um, and one that enough, I wanted go ahead. One horse that I just don't like is West Saratoga. Me neither. Um, Actually, it's funny. And, he's not on my. He's just dressed up. His two wins, uh, the Iroquois and that maiden win. We're so dressed up. I, I mean, got perfect trips both times. Um, ran pretty good, uh, you know, I guess, against Bookham Dano, who kind of ran off. And that was a good starting point. But unless this horse falls into a perfect trip, I don't see this horse winning this race. And I guess there's a there's a possibility that, 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 that the horse could fall into a perfect trip. But I'm not sure that this horse made the jump from two to three either. So there's, there's like two things that this horse is going up against, you know, being dressed up in those perfect trip wins and then not improving from two to three. And, and, you know, that, that just doesn't spell like a, a good spot for this horse. And uh, I've seen people actually kind of rate no more time higher, but I don't have any confidence in that horse either. I the mean, two, the two that I wanted to mention is, is the five and the two who I'm going to throw into some pick fours. So sure. I think if you go through no more times at first off, I don't think he'll be 10 to one. I'd be shocked. He'll be, yeah, he's he'll gonna be half be way that. less, than you know, that, yeah. um, five, Maybe five four to one. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that makes more sense. His win was, was a good one at Gulfstream, And then in the mucho macho man, last time out, it, he was the rail horse See. and he just did not have the best of starts. And that was the first time in his career where he was this far back, it was just totally different. You see, he hops, he's he, he breaks inside, and he just takes a bit. Then they have to get him all the way to the outside, and he's five, six lengths behind. And in his first two races, he was a length behind and two lengths behind at the most. So this is a totally different ball game for him in here. And I was willing to eliminate the race. What I thought was kind of interesting, though, so he's not even on the picture right now. He's he's off the page. And you're going to see him make a big, wide move all the way up to contend. And that's what I liked is that he did show something here. Mm-hmm. He just ran from the back to get all the way up wide into contention. And then he was done. Basically loop the field, you know, the 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 loop and swoop and, and the stop yep. because he, he kind of expended all his energy. And that's what young horses do. I mean, that's how they learn. That's how they learn to run. Yep. Um, and, and now I would hope that 
without the bad break, this horse is probably going to be a lot more uh, just forward track. Yeah, more in forward. Between. Right, exactly. Get a way better trip than that one. And the race came back okay. The Mucho Macho Man, you know, we we think of Othello and Inveigled who were in the Holy Bull, but keep in mind, First World War, who was in that race, came back and won the Kitten's Joy on the turf. And he's just a, a nice horse overall. So I, I think it was a solid group that he faced. I think he could get a really nice trip in here, as we're pointing out. He's going to make his second start back. He was planning on running last week in the Holy Bull. They ran in this spot. They felt it might be a little bit softer. That's probably true that it's just a little more less proven with some of these horses. Fierceness didn't run well, but um, it, on paper, it was more difficult of a spot. The other one for me would be the two tireless. Hmm. His first two starts were on the turf. Actually, there's first world war again, who I was just pointing out. He beat him in the, in that first start. Then he ran into a good group at Keeneland from out wide. He drew post 10 that day and he just got hooked wide all the way around. He was favored in the race that frontline warrior won. And we saw, I think, three next out winners come out of this race. Edgar Town, who was actually behind First World War in the stakes race over the weekend. Real Men Violin, who is a runner-up in the Kentucky Jockey Club also. So strong company that he faces in his first two turf starts. Then he moves to the dirt at Churchill, going a mile and an eighth. He's second that day by a horse named Rogel, who's another one who's not bad and has shown some ability. Uh, Rogel... After breaking his maiden, went on to finish third behind change of command in that race at Gulfstream Park. So I'm just looking at some of the foes that he faced. And what I like is he put it all together last time out. And with speed figures, he's just a cut below. So I don't think he's going to get bet in this race. As we pointed out, he's in the tier with the other players below. And he's a fun horse for me to throw into the, the pick four because he could send a really nice trip. He's proven at Tampa going just about this trip right now. And I think he'll save ground and sit not far off the lead. So my approach, throw in some of these, you know, six to 10, 15 to one shot horses. That's how I'm going to approach the, the Sam F Davis. Cause I don't think either of the two short prices has to win this thing. No, no, I, 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 I agree. And I think tireless actually rates, probably better than than the stablemate agate road um even though you know i mean look at how much they paid for tireless they paid more money i was gonna say look at the two in this race yeah between agate road and ty was a a nice 1.5 million right there between those two yes running in here and change of command is you know a million dollar horse himself um so it, it it's just it's really bizarre. And, and, you know, honestly, I think the board will probably kind of guide me a lot more um, to see how they're betting this race, because I mean, the, the morning line may be a little bit off because I, I'm not really sure how Patriot spirit is really going to be received um, because he's basically on paper looks like he's going to want the same trip that change of command is going to get. And I don't know if that's really conducive for him or for this race, the way it shapes up. Um, and a horse like Fulmineo, to me, will most likely get ahead of a lot of the nonsense, even though he's going to be wide into that first turn. He still is going to get clear and, and probably have, you know, a, a decent shot. Uh, whether he can finish is another story, because, you know, obviously you see this horse ran on the turf, ran well on the turf, kind of jumped up on on in the in a spot that was a little bit softer 
but it's still kind of iffy. You know, you got to demand your price. If Fulmineo is probably around six to one, I, I don't want any part of him. So, you know, that's why I say the board might be the clue, because if, if tireless ends up eight to one, that's probably where I'm going to go. I think there's some really fun options. In yeah. This race that- uh, yeah. I, I'm not taking a favor in this race. No, no way. No way. Barry, you are one of my favorites. My good friend. <laughs> talk to talk to everybody about uh, what's going on with uh, going in circles with big Mondays and everything you have, you have going where they can find out a little more what's on your mind with Chuck. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously the Derby trails heating up and so is the content for us. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to get more guests. Like I said, last week, we're gonna, definitely going to get Gino on there um, at least once, if not more than that, if he's available. Um, Anytime. But we're going to, we're going to talk about the, uh, the Derby trail and, and, and those races that are coming up. And then, you know, things are changing within the industry. You know, there, there's, there's some pressure going on with, with uh, the jockey club and things like that. And Mike Rapoli's getting in the mix. So there's, there's a lot going on and hopefully, you know, when it's all said and done and, and we go towards the end of the year, we're, we're heading in the right direction. That's really where we want to be, but we're going to talk about it and discuss it the whole way on our show. Barry buddy. Thanks again for joining us and talking some Tampa. I hope you have an awesome day out there on Saturday. Good luck to you with all of your weight. Oh yeah. It's homeboy alone. I'm, I'm going by myself. So, Oh, beautiful. You know, yeah. So, you know, that, that doesn't happen quite that often too much anymore. So, uh, it should be a fun time and the weather's going to cooperate. I get to wear shorts again. So yeah, I'm going to have a good time on, on Saturday for sure. Always love chopping it up with you, my friend. Let's crush it this weekend. Good luck to all of you playing the races at Tampa. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again. I will also be looking at races from Gulfstream and Santa Anita this weekend. If you need some extra help and you want to check out That's What G Said podcast. And for you contest players, don't forget about the Ultimate Betting Challenge. That's one of the next big contests you want to try to qualify for. That one is on Saturday, March the 2nd. That awards four prize packages to the 2025 NHC. So you can start qualifying for that right now with all of these feeder games at express bet. So they have a, the tournament schedule there. You can always check them out. And right now they're $40 feeder games that will try to get you into a $600 contest. And then from there you can get into the $6,000 contest. Cause I never, I never like to try to play the big entry fees. I'm always going to try to win my way in from the smaller ones. And I think that's how most people are like, like us, Barry, that are watching, oh, yeah. that are listening to those. That's how it's it's a fun way to get into those contests when you're able to win your way in like that and feel like you're getting a almost a free roll playing in the big money game. So check those out. If you ever have any questions, I'd love to talk with you. So would Barry, and we'll be back next week, probably talking some, uh, maybe some, is it Gulfstream or Fairgrounds? One of those two. Maybe it might be Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds that has a big one. So maybe we'll dive into those stakes races again, take a, next, uh, a look at the next crack of Kentucky Derby prep races coming up. Good luck, everyone, this weekend. We'll talk to you again real soon right here on That's What G Said, and we're talking with Barry Spears. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out with Saturday Tampa. Let's move on over and start talking about some Gulfstream Park for Saturday, where we will take a look at races 8 through 12 on the Saturday Gulfstream Park card. Race number 8 is a maiden special weight race for three-year-olds going six furlong. So they're sprinting in here. I thought there were a couple horses down on the inside that were a little bit intriguing. It's my life. 
is coming out of a dam who won the debut. Seven of eight winning siblings. A couple of them won their debut. The Barn, super capable with first-time starters. Eight for 55 with firsters, 15%. Remember, Mage. But they have not won since. Uh, five in the money finishes in their last eight. Beeline and Mr. Skylight are both for Riley Mott. The Barn, just two for the last 38. But both of these horses have little sneaky pedigrees. Beeline's dam was a three-time winner. That one's a half to a horse named Topsy. And that horse was a stakes winner, grade three placed, won the first two starts. Mr. Skylight's dam won the debut and was a stakes winner and three of four winning sibs. I thought both of those two were a little bit interesting. Hunt Ball, to me, is the horse to beat on the cutback. So nothing too crazy outside the box there, but uh, I think Hunt Ball fits really well. And then the horses down on the inside are interesting. Secret Crush, of course, will take some money for Pletcher. Five siblings, four winners for that firster. In the ninth race... It's the Gulfstream Park Turf Sprint going five on the turf. I thought the one Heaven Street was interesting. He tried the synthetic last time out and was on the dirt two starts back. And you can see he's just a turf horse. He does not run well on either of those surfaces. Now, if we go back to October, three races back, the last time he was on the grass, he ran really well. He won a race at Keeneland in an allowance race. He beat, it was a field of 12. The horse who finished second that day came back next out to win at fairgrounds. And Heaven Street sat fourth, just about two lengths off, moved to the outside, tipped off the rail, and was very game. The type of trip that you want a horse to be able to have in a turf sprint like this. I think he has a little versatility to him. I'm going to include Heaven Street in all exotics. The four Panther Island should be tough. The seven Caratori is probably the horse to beat. Second start off the bench. They're hoping to sit maybe third because it looks like that's right and hope in him will both be flying early. They're both really quick. Uh, Coppola is not slow and he doesn't really want to pass horses all that much. He had a great trip last time out. So I think they're going to be going pretty quickly in here and I'm looking for horses coming from off the pace. One, four, six, and seven. The ninth race actually kicks off that coast-to-coast pick five sequence. I put together a pick five that's uh, on the DRF YouTube page, and it's on my social media. I mean, we'll talk about some of these races here, but if you want to see exactly how I built that ticket. Tenth race at Gulfstream, five furlongs on the synthetic. I thought the two Sarawat was a bit interesting. He can pass horses. He ran into a horse named Concrete Glory last time out, who is an 11-time winner, who's won six of the last eight. You have Exchange Day, who really got into a nice stride most recently in that uh, last race late. So I don't think um, any sort of you know pace issues will you know pace setup will be a problem for him. He's going to come running late. He just he needs a little help up front. So he wants to see them going really fast early. Jet Wings on the opposite side. He's fast. He only has one way to go. So those would be horses I'd be looking at in exotics race 10 at Gulfstream. Moving to the 11th race. This one's a first level allowance. Optional 75 on the turf, 7.5 furlongs. I thought the 5 run in rocket coming out of a troubled trip. He took a bad step just after the start. He ended up 6th, 3 lengths off, chasing in a race where the horse who crossed the wire first, Esperon, went gate to wire. Did get DQ'd out of that one. But this guy did close well late, run in rocket. And if you look at the head-on, the start looked a lot worse than it did just watching the uh, the pan view. 
Dan was a multiple stakes placed horse on the turf, gets Lasix for the first time. I like running Rocket in here. We'll use with a couple of the other logicals. The three general ledger makes sense. The five king of the track or the seven king of the track makes sense. And the 10 in a jam. Nothing too crazy with those ones. Uh, one and two, maybe if you wanted to go a little uh, little deeper or look for a little pricier horses would be others that I would throw in. And then to close it out at Gulfstream Park, race 12, going a mile uh, a mile 70 on the synthetic. We have 16,000 non-winners of two. I thought the two horses to the outside were very intriguing. Trinity Park, just his overall body of work, I think fits very well with this group. And you have Basketball Jones, who's coming off a third-place finish against a little bit tougher on the grass. So they both fit really well in here. Media Sensation, if you wanted to go deeper, both Hari and No Regard would also be price horses I'd be fine including. So there's a look at Gulfstream Park races 8 through 12. Remember that coast-to-coast pick 5, you can play for a dollar-based wager, 15% takeout, and... It is averaging $24,000. There have been nine of them so far. None of them have paid less than 900 bucks. And even though, <clears throat> even those ones that pay a little softer, they're way higher than what the parlay would be. These are one of the best bets in all of racing. Check out that Coast to Coast Pick 5 wager. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the races in the Coast to Coast Pick 5 right now at Santa Anita. Let's get into Santa Anita for Saturday. Let's get over to Santa Anita for Saturday. Now, they did have rain on a lot of the thir- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was pretty bad. They canceled racing actually last Sunday and then again on Friday because the track was closed. They weren't able to train in the mornings a lot. But Saturday should be good, and they're going to make up and have a five-day racing week next week with racing on Thursday and then holiday Monday racing. In race number two, it's the Palace Verdes. I just I think Big City Lights is the horse to beat. I prefer him over Hopkins because Big City Lights just has a little more versatility to him. He can sit off the pace. He doesn't seem as one-dimensional. I think Hopkins just more of a need-the-lead type. In the third race, that's one of the races in the Coast to Coast Pick 5, I ended up using 2, 4, and 7 in there. I think you could try to beat the one who will take some money. He was a little bit wide last time, but it was a small field, and I, I just thought he was going to be a little bit gamer down the stretch. The 4 El Rey Dorado looks like the horse to catch. There's no other speed in here. The 7 Speed Grazy. He's, to me, kind of the measuring stick at this level on the dirt. And then you have Ship and Scam, who took a while to break his maiden. I really like the way he put it all together. And if he can sit a trip similar to that, he might be pretty tough in here. And he could show up with a really good effort. So I'm going to use 2, 4, and 7 in the 3rd in all exotics. Moving along at Santa Anita, race five is the Grace three, Los Virginis. I prefer Copian over Kinza because Copian is drawn to the outside of Kinza. She has the extra race, and she's shown us that she can sit off a little bit more. So in a race that looks like it's a two-horse race on paper, I'm going to take Copian, um, although she's a Tempest, did earn a 90 buyer speed figure in breaking her maiden on January the 5th, but she lost to Copian in her career debut. That was race number five. Moving to the sixth race, this is another one that's in the coast-to-coast pick five sequence. I think most will be looking at the seven and the eight to use in exotics. I'm going to use the five and the seven. I think Barristan the Bold is coming off of a sneaky good effort last time out. He He's just more of a closer. And in this race, I could see Give Me the Loot and Exultation both showing speed and trying not to let the other one get away. And Hotbox is probably faster than 
both of them. Uh, Solardi is also quick. Atomic Drop could also be flashing speed. I think they're going to be going quick in here, and I'm expecting it to set up really nicely for Barristan the Bold. So I'll use the 5 and the 7. The eight's the logical one, but we'll try to chuck one of them out there. Moving to the 7th race, I singled the number 7 in here, Bags Gold. I just thought that was a good effort last time out. It was going 6.5. It was the first start in a few months. Now he'll get to cut back. He will sit a really nice trip. I could project him sitting maybe 3rd or 4th in here, and I think Bags Gold is going to be very tough in race number 7, which is the closeout leg in the coast-to-coast pick 5. The 8th race is the Grade 3 San Marcos. I like the one missed the cut. He's an obvious contender in here, but Planetario is a horse who will take a good amount of money, and you'll also see a lot of support for Balladier. Missed the cut should be able to save ground. He's faced some very nice horses through the years, and he's still pretty lightly raced for being a 5-year-old with some upside. That's the one missed the cut. And there's a look at some of our thoughts on Santa Anita for Saturday. Good luck playing the races this week, and we are going to be looking at Tampa, Gulfstream, and Santa Anita. Wherever you play, we wish you the best of luck. Now we will move on in to this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Before we do, don't forget, for all of you contest players, you can actually get involved contests all the time at expressbet.com. So if you just go to the website expressbet.com and click on tournaments, you will get a look at what the tournament schedule is day in, day out. Right now, one of the big tournaments coming up is the Ultimate Betting Challenge, which is going to run on March the 2nd. We want to make sure that we get ourselves qualified for that one, which has NHC seats. That's on March the 2nd. So we can try to qualify for that thing in some of these $40 feeder tournaments at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream. If you ever have any questions about the tournaments, just let me know. I'd love to help you out and get you ready to qualify for for a lot less than some of the big uh, buy-in fees are. I, I can't afford a $6,000 entry in a tournament, but I can play into a tournament that's a $40 game, and I can qualify to a $600 game and win my way in. So I think that's a, a good approach for a lot. Let's go to This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. But before we do, I have to talk about a press conference that just happened right now on Thursday. They called it the WrestleMania press conference, and we saw The Rock... Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair. And they announced that Cody Rhodes has changed his mind. He is going to be wrestling Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania. I don't think The Rock is going to be completely left out. The Rock basically turned heel and called Cody's fans the Cody Crybabies. He slapped Cody. Seth Rollins was out there. The Rock got into it with Triple H. There was a lot happening, but I think there's just going to be a ton of moving pieces now in the next six weeks or so, uh, two months between now and WrestleMania, because they have changed the poster. It's now Cody versus Roman, but I don't think The Rock is going to be completely left out of this, and we have no idea what that means for Seth, so there's a lot that is going to be happening. And keep in mind, Chad and I recorded earlier in the day before this even went down. So we will talk about a lot of things that's happened over the last couple of weeks, but we we didn't know this press conference was going to happen this way. So I'm, I'm glad I got the chance to just give a few thoughts on it. And now we'll be paying attention a lot to Monday Night Raw, to Friday Night SmackDown, and to see what the heck is going on moving forward. Really cool 
it felt like they were going to go in this uh, direction that it was a storyline still and that Cody was going to get a chance and that's what they did. Now, let's get into recorded from a little earlier today, This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper right here on That's What G Said Podcast. I do have Chad. He is a member of the Cooper Crybabies, and he's getting getting ready to uh, talk about everything going on in the world of wrestling. Coop-a-loop, my man. Right as we sit down to record, The Rock is on the Pat McAfee show. And later on, on Thursday, they will have a press conference in Vegas. You and I are recording before that. If there's anything really important that happens there, I'll mention it um, after at the end of this. Uh, so people will be able to get a little bit of a, a reaction to it. But, w- man, it's kind of interesting to see The Rock take this heel-ish approach right before this press conference. And now I'm where we sit right now on Thursday, it's not as if we're going to say, oh, this would have happened and then it changed. We really have no idea right now what's going to happen. And I don't know if we're going to know that much more as of Thursday, a little later on. Yeah, man. It seems like the Royal rumble was ages ago, right? Like a year ago. <laughs> I know. I mean, so much stuff has happened over the last couple of weeks. So many twists and turns and, uh, the rocks now leaning into it. Cody Rhodes earlier today on his Instagram story, uh, he has made a decision. Uh, will it be announced today? You know, they're in Las Vegas. The Super Bowl is a couple of days away. Uh, it is just so bizarre, uh, the stories. You know, it's, what's really funny is watching a couple of the dirt sheets say, lay out every scenario, right? So when the announcement is made. They've got it covered. They've got you, it covered. Got it here first. They you cover spend, those bases. You, spend, you cover those bases, right? But man, what The Rock did today earlier on the Pat McAfee show, uh, you know, having two sets of fans, Cody's crybabies, and uh, one of them. This is going to be interesting. I, you know, now there's word that The Rock may work SummerSlam, but look, we 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 don't even really know. Because even if they, let's say yet. they announce this, this feels like it's. Right now, I don't know if they knew exactly what their plans were going to be a few weeks ago. I'm not sure how much CM Punk getting hurt changed things. I, I really don't know. What, I, what I'm what i pretty positive now is if they were doing this from the beginning or if they just decided, hey, look, this is a reaction that we have to lean into. This is now part of the story, right? All of this. this yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Cole's yeah, yeah. Sure. Michael Cole's addressing the Rocky Sucks chance, right? Those are the kinds of things that they wouldn't even have mentioned in the Vince era. They wouldn't have talked about it if they didn't want to. If they didn't want to men- mention it, they wouldn't have to. So they're they're going to lean into this now. Uh, we saw them passing out. We want Cody flyers at house shows and at TV. <laughs> 
and I'm not sure how that started, if it was a fan or if it was someone from like a plant from WWE, but either way, it's caught on now. And now at all the events, there's papers all over with the hashtag we want Cody. Just <laughs> it's 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 bizarre. It is. It is. It's bizarre. It's but cool. you know, I was telling a friend of mine this the other day when everyone you know, not to bring it up again, but it just again, it seems like not only was the Royal Rumble, it seems like that was a year ago, but we've, like, not that it hasn't deserved or nobody wanted to talk about it, but all the Vince McMahon stuff feels like old news now over the last week or two. So my point being, regardless of how much negative negative input and the fans have just like oh my god you know there's no way we can let cody do this that's the kind of negative you want yeah it has given them a lot of massive press this week and it's probably something they really needed with with all the vince mcmahon uh allegations that are out and you know i i think you and i both probably have a feeling that we are going to get Rock and Roman, yes. Uh, at, at least once at WrestleMania, the way we've we've gotten there over the last couple of weeks has just been crazy. And, and look, I know things are different, but look, you and I, along with others, this this was probably the match they wanted for last year's WrestleMania, right? Yep. Uh, I, or, or maybe the year before. And I think none of us can argue that Rock Roman. Uh, would that's be the biggest probably match. No, that's the biggest match. The biggest they match have. there is. And, and, and you've made it clear that you don't have a problem with the match. But Not it's at the all. way and they've they've booked it. And I will be interested. And will will we know the, the right answer, Gino? I don't know. But I would love to know if this was the plan uh, before your Royal Rumble that this was going to happen. And that if that was the case then man, things really are bizarre. And the, every day we get farther from it, I, I was, ne- like I said, I'm never, I would never been bothered by the the choice of Roman Rock. I was just bothered by how we were getting there. Now, if this story is different, I may have nothing to complain about at all. Right? <laughs> I, because if we, if we were to, to, to be doing this show back when WrestleMania 30 happened, Think about where we would have been at this moment right now after Daniel Bryan didn't win. Daniel Bryan wasn't even in the Royal Rumble that year. They kept him out. He lost to Bray Wyatt in the match on the Rumble undercard. And we would, and everyone at this moment of in February, 10 years ago, everyone was thinking, oh my God, we're going Batista versus Randy Orton. And the, the more- Was I, that I, really 10, was that, Gino, was that really 10 years ago? WrestleMania 30, right? Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. I think so, wasn't it? Yeah. Um man, it's this is like dog years and in, in wrestling years, right? It feels it like is. for for every year, isn't it? Something you're supposed to add seven to a dog's life. This is just well, think about, it seems like we we are really aging in the wrestling world like very, very quickly. I would have man, it felt like that was several just a couple of years ago. And well, because we have now the that whole, you mentioned it, I remember. Yeah. Like Roman Reigns era since then. Yeah. Basically, all of the time that Roman Reigns spent True. on the top, you know, um, which is crazy. He's basically been like the main eventer 
in all the shows since. But my point is, let's say they announce something later today. I don't even know if that's going to be for sure what happens. I would not be shocked if things change between now, Elimination Chamber, and after, especially with with, with us seeing The Rock lean into this. That was my biggest question. I had no, I didn't know where The Rock stood coming into this. Because think about it. If you're The Rock, you have been trying to put together this match with Roman for years. And Roman probably has one year or so left as a bad guy. And then... The last part of his career, he's going to be a monster baby face. After he loses the title, maybe he loses to one of the bloodline guys too. And he has that, I'm sorry, moment. I don't know if he ever cuts the baby face promo, but he'll eventually have to come and save his brothers or do something, right? That makes Roman a good guy down the line. And then you don't really have that Rock Roman match available anymore. You know, if he's not, and, and Rock's not getting younger either. And we don't know what Rock's schedule is like for the next few years. Hell, in in six months or a year, if we find out that it's going to be The Rock and Brian Gewertz as part of a team that's running the WWE, and we don't even have Triple H and any of the McMahons around anymore, would that shock you, Chad? No, unfortunately, it would not. Not at this point. And I don't no. mean I don't even know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying. No. Yeah. I have yeah. no clue. What what is going to happen with some of the the Vince stuff and and how that is going to impact some of the people who were around Vin and were running things with Vince at the time? They may there may be a house cleaning. They do that at a lot of companies and, when there's a scandal. Yeah, yeah, and we're seeing you see that more and more. Um, yeah, you know it, it brings up a valid point. Things definitely uh, could change. You know, <clears throat> let's go with the scenario that what many are thinking right now, that at least for one of those nights, we're going to get Brock versus Roman. If if they announce that today, or if that's what we get, it's for the world title. If he has the world title or the WWE Championship, Universal Championship, could you fathom, number one, the Rock beating Roman for that title? Or number two, you talk about Roman not being a babyface in, in, until a year or so. This He's gonna going to be against to the Rock. Instantly, you're going to instantly be. have that and of things. Uh, you thought back in the day, piping in noise to try to get people over or uh, or not uh, was bad. You know, does the Rock embrace the hill? I don't know. So let's go with Gino. My question is to you is let's say we go with option number one uh, for this for our argument's sake, that we have The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. Um, does Rock beat him? Uh, what What do you see if that match is, is, is taking place? Yeah, I think the reason why I didn't want the title involved in that match is because I, I don't think you want The Rock winning the title. I think I could see The Rock beating Roman if there was no title around. I think the, the sure. play has to be Cody beating Roman for the title at some point. Now, could there be something like night one, we have The Rock versus Roman and Cody versus Seth and the winners face off on night two? I don't, I don't know. And that way you could get The Rock Roman and then on night two, you could get Cody and Roman. I have no idea. I don't, and I don't know if they wanted would want to rush it like that. I don't know if they have plans for Saudi Arabia, SummerSlam, next year WrestleMania. Who knows? There are a lot of options right now. I think 
I feel better now than I did a few days Friday night on SmackDown when Cody came out and he had that sad puppy dog look on his face. <laughs> Do you, I, are we getting uh, look? Uh, look seriously, Gino. Are we getting worked? We and oh yeah, I hope we are. I hope we are. If we are, and that's what we we want to be getting worked as wrestling fans. This is great because kind of what I was hitting on. This is what you want. Your your rest the wrestling fans talking about if you run the company if you're Tony Khan if you're Vince McMahon or if you're now if you're you know Triple H and them you want them talking about the stories the stuff that's happening on camera you don't want them talking about Vince McMahon scandals you don't want them talking about CM Punk punching people backstage right those aren't the the good things because those don't add anything to your product they don't get people tuning in very much to care this kind of stuff is interesting because half the like. Half the people right off the bat were just pissed off that Rock showed up. But then I think a lot of people are starting to take into account, yeah, you know, we've wanted this Rock-Roman story for a while. It just, it was weird how it came into play. And now you've got the Rock, who I I thought the Rock was going to be wanting to just be the good guy. If he's willing to lean in and play a little heel here, this could be incredible. They could go a bunch of different ways with this. And you know how, like I said, you know how fast we change. You know, I, I mentioned it last week. You know, it was just a couple of weeks ago that The Rock was on Raw cutting a promo. Um, there's Jinder Mahal, and then he makes the head of the table a comment. We just go ballistic. We just go insane, right? And, and now it has gotten to, well, Triple H needs to be fired. Um, the Rock definitely needs to be fired. Um, but again, at the end of the day, um, look at the ratings from from Friday night. Uh, look at the ratings on Monday. Nobody's tuning out. Hey, look, if you want to protest, and I'm never watching WWE ever again, I will say this because I know a couple of people that are very, very generic professional wrestling fans that used to watch it maybe younger growing up. Excuse me, as they got older, they got married, um, maybe they went off, they served the country, got different jobs, whatever, whatever their life is taking them. I can tell you this much, talking to these people over the last year or two, they get excited when The Undertaker comes back, John Cena comes back, and boy, are they really, really invested now that The Rock has come back because these are the people that go see The Rock's movies. They follow The Rock on social media. <clears throat> so just and I, and the amount of fans that that is quote-unquote protesting, look at the ratings for Monday night. It was and the I, exact and I'm, same as a fallout. I'm What you're hitting at, too, I'm surprised there's been as much backlash as there has been because oh, of that. I, I, am too. I, I don't think I am any too. of us... I from right off the bat on the, like Friday when we were talking about it, I you know I felt like ah it's a sour taste in my mouth because how m- mainly what's going to happen with Cody? I want it to feel like at least good for his character who they've made seem like the main character on this TV show for the last couple years. I want just to, him to have a satisfying end to this part of the story, right? But man, I I never thought the 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 fans would want Cody this much or there would be this much of a backlash to the rock in, in, in that sense, Chad, this is the best thing that's ever happened to Cody. hundred percent. hundred percent. Best thing that's ever happened and, to him. And I don't know if I told you this or not, where were these fans? Where were these Cody fans when 
he was in AEW and he was just being booked. Uh, you know, you know, it's a, it's one of the staples, the bullet points that we talk about in AEW's short history. When Cody lost that match, where he could no longer, it was awful. No it was challenge. done. It just crushed him. It, it was, it was the yeah. stupidest <clears throat> thing they'd ever did. They, and we saw from the very beginning, and they've always been that way. That company was was so inside their own head, and that's one of the reasons why you don't have on air talent being producers and being the real decision makers because they went the opposite way. Cody and the Bucks and Omega were so worried about coming off like they were putting themselves over that they didn't didn't even let themselves be the major parts of the show that they should have been. All of those guys were the reason what the the company was built on. (laughs) They literally founded the company. And I've still said to this day, we've never even got the babyface Kenny Omega as a champion run. How did that never happen? As just the right. guy going out there having amazing matches. We never really had that with him or the Bucks as a tag team just going out there and saying, we're the best tag team in the world. We're going to kick your asses and we're going to have fun doing it. And we didn't get that run ever. That's like the easiest character that those guys could have ever played is just, hey, come watch my awesome matches. I'm going to be out here every night as a good guy. We never got that. And Cody was already defined down because he could only go for the TBS title. They just set themselves from the start, you know, as as not the big deals over there. And it was fr- it was frustrating to watch because they should it should have been different. And, and you know the the WWE Cody fans, w, you know Cody left WWE. It was ugly. I can't, I don't remember if he was the Stardust character at the very. I think end at the very not. end, yeah, it was it was bad. Those, those fans did not cross over maybe in the beginning and followed it, but they didn't stick around. Now we know Cody's a star. When he came back to the WWE, did you fathom that he would have this sort of movement on in WWE, not only in WWE, but on their flagship show of raw when there really was no championship. Remember Romans had quote unquote, both of them or one of them, and excuse me, he was he, he was on Friday night. Did you ever fathom that this Cody movement, even up to before this, was this massive? Hell I'm no. A, I, honestly, Hell I had no. no idea this guy had this much star power. And, in and what you have to do is you have to give everybody involved credit because it's Cody. It's the people who are working with him. It's the words that he's saying and that they're letting him say things in his own voice in that he's not afraid to come off corny sometimes. There's, It's been – we're in a, a funny time because it's so hard to, to have these good baby faces that I think people were kind of searching for one. You were kind of searching yeah. for just a good guy again, and Cody really filled that role. And I never in a million years – Thought he would be this over or treated as big of a star as he's been treated. And now, if he would have just won the Rumble and said, I'm going to face Roman Reigns and he beat Roman Reigns, it'd be great. But now there's all this groundswell for him. There's now the people in, instead of feeling like Cody was the guy that came in and was getting shoved down our throats, it's completely flipped in one, in one moment. <laughs> it's completely flipped. Now he's the younger. I was I was concerned about that. And I and, think I think we brought it up. Yep. I mean, this guy was 
he was Mr. Monday night for, for sorry, Seth Rollins. Um, but he was, you know, Seth was a tweener. And we that gets you know, old. It gets old. Any, it, it does. People just get and sick I of anyone. For sure, I said, man, Cody, boy, there she are pushing Cody. I hope this can last. You know, I hope this can last. And it's just been getting hotter and hotter. And <clears throat> going back to your original argument, um, you know, at the beginning of the uh, of the segment, did I think there would be some people upset? Sure, because. No, the internet wrestling community is never 100% happy. So I thought, okay, they're going to be upset and you know what, but it's the rock. There's some people that got their feelings hurt. Like they were Cody Rhodes's like relatives and kinfolk. And you can't ignore that. That that's a good, just, it's good until it gets crazy, right? It's good that people feel yeah, that connection look, until look, they're threatening hey, Ava. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's yeah, just, and she's had to get on. off. Look, it's, but that's, that's, that's just, it goes beyond bizarre what some of these people just do. Guys, girls, you need to, you know, find something else that uh, take two that steps back, go outside time. a little bit, and just, you know. Yeah. Hey, look, go be, go be up. one of these fans at TNA Impact and who've been on a monster tear not Which only is, the last couple of weeks, and they just fired the guy know, who's built weird. everything. There's got to be something so go coming be out one after of those that fans. too. I mean, there, we're on a little will, bit of a, ta- a tangent, but there's got to be something. Yeah, coming but out because, what I'm saying is. Be one of those. How do you how do you think TNA feels? That guy was Mr. TNA, and from my understanding, whether you liked his on camera character or not, because he he would get involved. All the talent loved and respected this guy. He was so just he was imagine the, what they're Paul Heyman for ECW of TNA. He was the guy that rallied the troops. He's been there. This is what Wade Keller was pointing out. He's been there from 2000. I think the very beginning, 2003, yeah. in different roles. He took over that place when it was in bad shape. And it had yeah. a bad reputation Rough. and just a bad vibe. And right now, I don't know anyone who's saying a bad thing about TNA and their roster and what they've been putting on. Well, you have their world, you have their world champion thinking about sitting out. Moose, he said, "Hey, look, I, I turned down a contract with the WWE because, because of Scott Demore. I want to work with you know? this guy." But my, just look, be mad. These people, you ha- it has to be controlled. But the one thing you and I both said, it will be interesting to see how Cody partakes in this situation. Um, again, he didn't give Seth Rollins an answer uh, on Monday night. Now he says he has it. I'm sure, you know, I, I just, I think we're going to, they're going to announce Rock versus Roman and Cody's going to say, hey, I want Seth Rollins. And I think uh, that's when I think the damage control um, will it be too far already? And the the way to the way to see it unfold is is television ratings. If they start faltering, you'll know why. You'll know why. But um, man, what a ride it's been over the last couple of weeks. Just emotionally, can you can you imagine what's going on? Roman Reigns' head, Seth Rollins, Cody, and Cody, man, Cody just look, like Drew McIntyre has. It, look, even CM Punk. Who was supposed to be figured into all of this and is hurt? Drew McIntyre has become the best Drew McIntyre we've ever seen in a matter of minutes because of this. I don't know if we're being worked. I just for Drew to do stuff like he's doing on on social media, CM Punk still involved, Cody's involved, Seth is involved, The Rock is involved, Roman, Paul. Ah, oh, man, this is uh, 
I didn't think this day we we would be talking uh, defending Cody Rhodes or or turning on the Rock. This is just uh, I, I don't know, man. You, we still got a ways to WrestleMania. They are definitely not making this boring. This is this is definitely not going to be a straight road uh, to to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Let's talk about some of the other little things from the last week or so. This is the big story that we'll all keep coming back to over and over again on SmackDown. That was when we saw the confrontation between Cody, between Roman and The Rock. That was at the end of the show. But prior to that, we had Kevin Owens get his win back against or get a win back against Austin Theory. That'll help him just look strong after uh, he was DQ'd in the match against Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble. And we haven't seen anything point us that way, but I would imagine we, we've all sort of thought we were going to get Logan versus LA Knight at at WrestleMania. Um, it, but I, I wonder where where's the spot for a guy like a Kevin Owens? You know, you feel like he's sort of in a spot where I don't think he's going to have another match against Logan Paul. And he he's kind of going to be maybe uh, an odd man out. Yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, I, again, we have some time, but man, it sure does, it sure does feel that several of these players have been lost. Now, I do like the way they've kept Sami Zayn involved. Maybe we're going uh, Sami Zayn, Drew McIntyre type of match, but yeah, I, I being a, both, think being about KO that. They, they both, myself, this, it's, it sucks. KO main evented the last two years with Austin. He was in the main event and then in the tag Match with Sammy, he was in the main event, and both of them feel because it looks like you feel like a Sammy and KO versus Theory and Waller would be a fun match if there was nothing else. But I don't, I don't think they are going back to that, and that's KO is involved with them right now. I don't know if he would be in another two months from now. Just curious to see what will happen with him on the tag team side. They're putting together. Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate, and they have a match coming up on Friday now. Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate versus Gargano and Champa. Coop, they've quietly put together a really nice tag team division, so much that I almost wonder if they split the titles again. Because, I mean, you're looking here on SmackDown, they had the four way match with Dunn and Bate, with uh, the LWO, Cruz and Joaquin, with Pretty Deadly, and with uh, Humberto. And with Carrillo and Garcia, um, uh, Angel and Humberto, and those are four. On Raw, they had a four-way with the with Champa and Gargano, with Imperium, with the Creed brothers. Um, you also have the Viking Raiders. When one of the other one comes back from being injured, you have you know Gable and Otis and and Tazawa in the mix is another one. Whatever they do with the New Day, they were in that mix too. Forgot about them. We're talking 10 legitimate tag teams right now. And that's been a, uh, it's been a, a division that's been super talented, but a championship that's kind of, uh, kind of been lost in the mix since the days of the Usos having those titles and that long run that they had. You talk about matches that, uh, that can still WrestleMania cards, um, this tag team division is as solid as you can get. And what we saw Monday night, Hey, look, I've been concerned since Gargano has been brought up to the main roster. That was you the know, best. They've uh, lo- that was a great match for them. Everybody in that match was awesome. This past Monday, 
Um, if you don't know who they are and you're you're not into them, uh, you're not ever going to be because what we saw on Monday night was was absolutely incredible. Um, it, there's just there's a lot of matches you can have between now and then. Uh, don't know the exact direction you can go, but these I, I'm, guys I'm, I'm predicting are, are pretty solid. Yeah, I don't. I and I almost wonder if we do something like have a tournament to to crown a new tag team for champion for one of the shows. But I think I think our truth and the Miz are beating the Judgment Day at WrestleMania. Okay. I think that's what, I, for the tag team titles. And I don't think it'll be a long run, but it's a way to give our truth a mania match, a mania moment for a guy who's been really over, and they can have a quick win and they can lose those tag team titles. And it's just sort of a transition way. For them to have their big moment at WrestleMania, and then you can put it on the Creeds or Gargano and Ciampa, and have it become more of a worker championship. That would be really fun for this tag team championship to be out there defended a little bit more often, and I think it'll help the division get over. How'd you? I think uh, our truth uh, on Monday night, he was what accepted back after the beatdown because he talked uh, about Daniel how Priest. he he got beaten into the Judgment Day, and man. <laughs> This guy is so good right now. Uh, I I liked the way they went with it with Bailey. It just seemed a little bit quick. They didn't. They I don't know if they were telling the story quite well enough. But this is how I wanted it to happen. Like I was pointing out, I hate when the heel gets just beat up and kicked out of the heel group, and then we have to yeah. cheer for them. Bailey made the first move, and I like that. She had said. I could see you guys were different. You were you're not acting the same way. You were talking behind my back. I like the whole, hey, I learned uh, the language, so I know what you guys were talking behind my back when you didn't realize. I thought that was creative. And now we're going to get Bailey as a baby face. And all I want, Chad, there ain't no stopping us now. We <laughs> I want that. I need it. I need it. Inject it into my veins at WrestleMania. I want... Michael Cole to go, oh, they're back to wacky, wavy, inflatable, arm-waving two men, and it's Bailey. She's hugging everybody as she comes down the aisle. That's what I want just for the WrestleMania, at least for the entrance for Mania. Give me the hugger, Bailey. Man, to see Bailey's face, um, you know, as she listened uh, to Damage Control. Uh, it was great acting. bad about her. Yeah, it was just like you felt so bad for her. You know, like wow, it, it was it was quick. Uh, th- this was a quick uh, storyline turn for this. I think we all kind of knew it was going to happen. Uh, it was quick, and I know you mentioned, as you said, you know, you just didn't want her to just get kicked out. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a match or two where she, you know, gets pinned or they they cause her to. She lose, was the reason but... why the the tag team titles get lost, right? Something like that. Sure. Sure. Would have been yeah, perfect yeah. for them, for the group to be more pissed off at her, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But again, she's such, this is going to be, again, you know, as you turn this, we've been waiting for her to turn back, you know, and this is going to be a massive turn for her. And this is going to be a big moment in WWE. And I suspect that she wins that title at WrestleMania. And it is definitely going to be a feel good moment. And I'm sure if she does, uh, a lot of emotion will be felt after that match in the ring. This will be good for Bailey too. She's done some really sure. great work. Oh, she had the, the long she was injury a hero during some of these uh, these these COVID shows. Oh, the pandemic! Know, and, and she just, yeah, and she was I great. never 
I never thought of her when when you watched her as a baby face. She was one of those baby faces that I I was convinced up. Oh, that's like John Cena. She'll never be a heel. Ne- yes. Never. Yes. And and when she was, she did a really great job as a heel and just annoying the hell out of you and just like oh and she would get into it with Cole and now this is going to be really good for her because people will want to cheer her now as a baby face and I'm excited for this. I think it'll be a good moment for Bailey when we get there. Uh we saw, you know, Braun throughout the the weeks now we've seen Braun Breaker, Jade Cargill show up, uh Tiffany Stratton, we've seen uh, she had a debut and and she looks good on SmackDown and she's going to be around right now. So, we're getting some new blood in and I'm on top of everything going on with the rock and Cody, it just felt like the stuff underneath in the card has been really, really good because some of my, the tag team men's division sometimes gets forgotten about and they've beefed that up the last few weeks, the women's tag team division. Sometimes that gets forgotten about, but they've done a really good job. I think with, you know, having a lot of these women's matches and, and creating a few more tag women's tag teams that you think are legitimate and then we're as we move from SmackDown over to Raw, they've really done a great job now with with Rhea and Nia. And they announced that quickly, but as we expected, Nia is going to face Rhea for the Women's World Championship at Elimination Chamber in Perth. Rhea will be a huge baby face in that match, and you get to use all of that that good um Character building you did with Nia now because they Nia did not lose to anybody. I don't think she's even lost since she's come back. Actually, I, I think, think so. you know she got eliminated from the Royal Rumble, but she didn't lose. She didn't get pinned. So I don't. I think they'll probably get into it, but I don't think she's been pinned since she's been back. She beat Becky in that match, and this is what you why you built her up because now you can have Rhea beat her. Maybe Becky beat her and Jade beat her on the way. And that's exactly what you wanted to do. You build, this is old school territory stuff. You have a new heel come in, you build that heel up, you give them some wins. And then now you can get their baby face, your baby faces to go over them on the way out. I think this is perfect because in six months or eight months, Naya may not be quite as important on the card as she is right now. So you want to use that. Let Rhea be a real super baby face here. And I'm actually a little interested, Chad, because I think we've all assumed it will be Becky that's going to win the Elimination Chamber and and go on and face Rhea at WrestleMania. But I don't know. They've they've made me think enough that they could possibly <laughs> throw someone like Liv Morgan in. You know, yeah. she has yeah. she got taken out by Rhea. Her and Rhea used to be a tag team. They were friends. They have a history that they could build on, and that is actually a match where. Liv might be one of a few people that that gets cheered in a match with Rhea. I don't know if the crowd would boo Rhea, but there might be one of those where, like, we love Rhea, we want Liv kind of a thing. I don't know if Liv would get booed all that much. I actually think the crowd might turn a little bit on Becky if it was Becky Rhea. Yeah, I think so, too. I think think it's the official poster, but there's so many good – People that, that put together posters out there and so oh, oh wait, wait, real quick. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Bailey's not on there. And did you see CM Punk put the picture yes. of Bailey on it? Yes. He inserted yes. it. And man, 
I'm I'm very re- willing to admit right now, and maybe I feel different in a year. Right now, I have been one thousand percent dead wrong on CM Punk. Thousand I was percent. too. I, he I came was in. too. We didn't we didn't need him. No, and man, he has been like those are the kinds of things. How he interacts with the other people. We were watching a video of him and Jade run up and hug each other, and I. Uh, I, he went to Cora Jade's surgery and visited her there. He's in the ring working out with Carmelo and some of the young dudes trying to help them learn. And I, I've been very impressed with him from top to bottom. You know how hard it is to be happy in 2024? I mean, seriously. Um, it, it just seems like there's moments. Um, there's We want to be happy uh, for most part of the day, weeks, month, year. Um, he seems genuinely happy, um, for a guy that has, that we thought, do you, did you, do you think that the CM Punk injury could be a work? I, I don't know, but it, the guy has been, you're running out of time. Um, we're not the WWE of old, as you know, uh, we're probably for the first time in a long time, Gino, in WWE history, they have been more youthful than they've ever been on that roster. Um, now, somebody's probably going to look up all the ages of everyone on the Raw and SmackDown roster and average them out and send me to prove me to prove me wrong. But if you look at it, um, there's not a lot of guys and gals around, uh, still around, that was in the CM Punk era from 10 years ago so my point being is this is this is a last run um you know some people in some jobs don't work out they're unhappy you can tell from the get-go i thought it was a weird fit with him and aew from number one we're not going to get back into that but you and i both thought it it, you know it, it was it just didn't feel right but this definitely feels right and from just the little things from the posters he's talking about from visiting with people um, it, it's been a, it's been a grand slam, uh, you know, reunion for CM Punk and back, but back to Rhea Nia, um, the posters, uh, I've seen one with Rhea's face is on half of it. Nia's on, that is just amazing. I don't know if that's, uh, the new ownership stuff or not, but, uh, it, it, it's, it's a legitimate thought going into the elimination chamber. Like, Hey, look. None of our champions are guaranteed to be champions in at the next pay-per-view, at the next PLE, other than, you know, Roman or maybe Seth. But from tag team champions, uh, women's titles, women's tag team champions, U- U.S. title, you just never know what's going to happen now as we head uh, um, to WrestleMania. But, yeah, kudos, CM Punk, Rhea. How many times have we said this has been the best version of this person since returning from the WWE? And that says a lot. Really, really good stuff to start Raw with uh, Rollins and Cody and Drew. And Drew's got the shirt that he's, you know, uh, CM Punk's uh, WrestleMania main event. It's on a a tombstone out there. It's like in a graveyard. (laughs) And... These three guys were great. Like Drew's out there saying, come on, man. I set it up perfectly for you. Don't let these people down. You got to finish the story. And then it's you and me in the main event, Rollins. Come on, man. And this <laughs> reminds me of there was uh, it was 1997. And in 97, 
they had the rumble where they had Austin win the rumble, but he he cheated. He got thrown out before, and the refs didn't see. And he and Brett actually won. But what they did was they had an event called the Final Four on the next pay per view. Because remember, Shawn Michaels was the champ. Shawn Michaels gets hurt, and all of a sudden, there's no champion. So they have an event called the Final Four, and they put the title up for grabs in a match with Bret Hart, Stone Cold, The Undertaker, and Vader. It's one of my favorite matches. I love it. (laughs) Because what was cool about it, it was an elimination match where you could win by pin or submission. But because they were playing off of the Royal Rumble and those were the final four guys, you could also throw your opponent over the top and be eliminated. So it was like a Royal Rumble or you could be pin or submission. But what was so crazy about it, it was there was all these moving parts. And Sid, Sid ends up being the champ, and you got the Undertaker, and Sid end up being in the main event for the title, and then Brett and and uh, Austin are in that awesome match that goes down as one of the best all time in the I Quit match. But I, there was this moment where Austin came out just like Drew McIntyre did, and he said he's cutting a promo on Brett. Brett had just lost the match to Sid, and he said, "Brett." What the hell, man? I came out to try to help you. It was going to be you and me for the title. And you suck. And it was just like what Drew was doing. It was so great. Because he said, what the hell, Cody? Come on, man. You're supposed to finish your story. I'm going for this title. Drew is money. And I don't, man, I, if, let's say that Cody and The Rock and Roman are all involved in something and it doesn't involve Seth. And let's say they have Seth defending his title at WrestleMania. Who is he facing? Ooh. So if it's not Cody, is it Drew right now? I mean, it feels it. It would have. It would have to be. I mean, uh, we, we've already turned the page from Gunther. It looks like you know we have something else for Gunther, which is cool. Uh, I like what they're what they're setting up for Gunther too. I think it's good for Jay. Yeah. So if, if you pushed Gunther back in, it would feel feel really forced. And that would probably hurt Guther and Seth Rollins if you went yeah. that direction. I think the only the only avenue would 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 be Drew McIntyre for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But let let's say let's say Cody and let's say Cody Seth is is happening. Then what are we doing dare with Drew? We say yeah. Dare we say that Drew has to be involved in a triple threat? What do you do with Drew McIntyre because? Hey, this guy is hitting hitting home runs. Everything and, he does now has turned to gold. So he's got to be I involved somehow, some way. I don't like saying this even, but it almost feels like a match with Sammy is a little lower than where Drew is right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you just have yeah. Drew Sammy one-on-one at Mania, that doesn't feel quite at the level of where Drew has been recently and the work he's been doing. It's good problems to have when a lot of guys and gals are over like they are right now. Uh, we talked already about that Champa and Gargano tag match, which was excellent. They're going to face Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate on Friday. Becky Lynch got her win. She qualified for the Elimination Chamber. We discussed uh, some of that already. And Liv Morgan, she's going to be in a qualifying match next week. We had Rhea and Nia finish with their uh, some of their build, and that match will be in Perth. We already discussed that a little bit. So... Yeah, we hit on a lot of the stuff from Raw when we were talking overall. We saw Judgment Day and uh, R-Truth and The Miz as Miz beat J.D. McDonough. And afterwards, we saw Miz and Truth um, looking like they're going to be the team that will win the tag team titles. 
uh, CM Punk video. We kind of hit on that briefly, but I'm I'm so glad they're doing that. He's hurt. Don't don't have us not see him or hear from him for six eight months, especially nowadays where you can send out a cameraman or you can have him cut a little promo and have us show it. He can sit down a few times and do commentary. There's plenty of ways they can use him so he's not out of sight, out of mind. Uh, let's go, real quick, yes. Let's go back to Drew, uh, or excuse me, Damian Priest. What are we doing with uh, him with the briefcase, right? Is this is this one of the worst briefcase winners? Yeah, because... I mean, where is he in all of this? You talk about somebody that you and I both said, this guy is going to be a massive baby face turn when, when it's his turn. Man, I mean, look... Their segments have been great, and I'm not I'm not saying that Miz and our truth are this and that, but we're a long way now from him being any sort of cash. That's that's the key. He it's not like the work they're doing is bad. He just doesn't no, feel no, no, no. he's a spot away from the world title right now. Like he just walks and down. Maybe and that's how in. they want want you to feel. Maybe this again, we're being worked for that. Maybe he comes in. And does something foolish. I don't know, but boy, this feels like he's definitely cooled off. Could you imagine if we got, you know, no, I cannot. They, I know they pushed going. it all out of the way. Cody, you know, they do whatever <laughs> he, you know, he's the guy standing tall at the end of WrestleMania with the title, and then and then Priest gets him. That would actually be. <laughs> I mean, it would. It, the the response that night on Sunday after Mania and leading into the next day of Rumble. Would be off the charts it, if, if Cody won and then just lost it right It'd away. Like Charlie Brown trying to kick that game-winning field goal. Lucy, Lucy's just pulling that thing out. <laughs> but yeah, look, CM Punk. Look, I think somebody mentioned there was some ideas of him being at the announce table. Ding, ding, ding. Didn't you say that? Didn't you suggest I did, that? I did. A couple I of weeks so. ago. So yep. yeah, this look, he's too big of a star, hurt or not not to be on and he can do a lot of things including uh being involved in whether you want it to be at a broadcast table being involved in a storyline but just keeping us updated on his progress uh because again there's a lot going on i mean again i'm I'm glad that that you brought cm punk that that vignette back up because i mean look he since he's been hurt we've we've quickly moved on to rock roman cody and you know his comeback will be larger than life but you don't want him to be not be seen for the next six months either though at all at all you didn't pay that guy to to not be on tv and i think he wants to be around too i was shocked to see how over jay uso was when he came out, man, that looked that looked so cool when he was up there bobbing and the whole crowd was, yee, you know, they were bobbing. And I don't know was, what it is about this guy, but he's he, they love him. They do, man. And he was he, the way that he cuts the promos now where he wants the what chance, you know, like everybody cuts their yeah, promos yeah. to get away from him, but he'll cut them. And he'll say, what are you going to do, Bofu? And he waits, and then he stops. Come on, man, what are you going to do? And then he goes, and he's, you know, and he's cutting it like that style where he gives them a minute to say what. And then it's oos or oos, and he's calling Gunther oos. And I, it was very good. I think good. we can kind of relate to him. Like, he's the guy that you would want to have when you go out and have a guy's night out. Or if you're sitting Absolutely. there watching the Super Bowl, you know, you would want somebody like him around. And he resonates, and hey, look. Uh, the Usos, uh, there's been a lot of good tag teams in professional wrestling. I mean a lot. 
I don't think there's too many people that would argue the fact that they're one of the top tag teams ever in WWE history. Maybe in professional wrestling, because these guys are just, whether they're heels or faces, I remember when they're faces, man, the paint, the songs, the dancing, you just forget about how good some of these guys and girls are when we're so invested in The Rock and Cody and Roman, right? And you forget, and then you go to a house show or something, or you see this guy on Raw have his own segment, you're like, damn, Damn. that, that guy still got it, you know? He is so so good, Gunther, and the the he said, "Yeah, you've been a champ. You're incredible, longest reigning, but you were a tag team, so you did half the work." And it's just the way he says things, and it's so he just and it denigrates you, and he downplays what you've done. And man, Gunther is awesome. And Raw and SmackDown are firing on all cylinders. Very curious what's going to come out of that. Uh, press conference a little bit later on We'll talk more about that um, When we find out what the uh, the Happenings are there but we had a Really good NXT Pay-per-view over the weekend Chad With Vengeance Day and I thought top to bottom There really wasn't a bad match On the show and Hey hold have... on Gino I got I got Gino I gotta interrupt this for a breaking Drew McIntyre tweet Oh please somebody just sent me Okay so WWE Retweeted uh, I've made the decision from Cody Rhodes's Instagram right And so Drew just uh, I, I think We don't call it a do we still call it a quote Yeah we do call it a quote So Drew quoted the I've made a decision tweet From Cody Rhodes with the Rock saying it doesn't Matter oh my God <laughs> dude I mean Drew just, Can't we Drew. give him a title you know, all these titles AEW have, the, especially the meany, meaningless ones, can't we make up one for Drew? Because this is, dude's firing. You do a firing on all cylinders and hitting. This is this is amazing stuff, dude. So, yeah. Yeah, just it's intriguing to see what we're going to see on, on Mondays and, and Fridays and then press conferences, man. It's just it's been a good ride. It has been. Whether you like Drew, man. <laughs> uh, so coming out of NXT – we have the real big story. Carmelo finally turned on Trick, and I got man, I'm in I'm in a little trouble because I, Milo was watching the show with me the other day. Oh and now, no! And now, dude, he won't stop saying "Whoop that trick!" All over, whoop <laughs> that trick, whoop that, and he's all over saying "Whoop," and he'll say, "And I'm doing the Booker." Uh huh. Oh yeah, I like it. And then he started saying it around other people, and I had to say, "No, it was a wrestling thing. It was not the bad one. You know, it's not the bad whoop that trick. It's a wrestling whoop that trick." You know, and oh man, but <laughs> Trick Williams is a freaking star. The angle is good. It makes a lot of sense now, and we were waiting for it to happen, and. It was perfect because you have Corbin and Breaker win, and those guys are so funny together. They're such a great tag team that you never would have thought. And now you've got Trick going into the main event. Carmelo screws him over, part of the reason why he lost. And you have actually a real, real strong three-way feud between these three guys now, where Carmelo still wants to get his title back. He keeps going off after Dragunov. Trick obviously pissed at Carmelo and Dragunov pissed that Carmelo was trying to make him out to be the bad guy. You know, Dragunov's been the good guy the whole time. He's he told Trick, right? <laughs> "You're my friend. I respect you. 
I think you're doing a great job. You're not going to beat me, but your buddy's the guy who's trying to cheat you and screw you over. I love the way they're telling this story. I think it's super layered and it's fascinating to me. All three of these guys are like main event stars. I think all three of them can be total stars on the main roster. And to even think that Trick Williams is hotter than Carmelo is, I, I, I again, what Shawn Michaels, uh, you got to give him credit. <clears throat> what what NXT, WWE, Trick Williams, and Carmelo have done, uh, again, you know, what Carmelo has done on SmackDown with his matches with Austin Theory. Austin Theory. Hey, look, they were having a banger when they had a bad landing in that match. Hey, a lot of talent who come back the next week, uh, people like, dude, you're a bocce worker, man. We, we, they could have turned on him instantly. They have been so grassroots with Trick and Carmelo that I'm thankfully, and I can proudly say both you and I, Gino, have been there since we, I'm still the, the Usos line here, day one ish, right? Because you and I went through the NXT 2.0. Yep. I tried to defend it as much as I could. You talk about AEW marks. I was an NXT 2.0 mark trying to defend this lunacy where the room We saw something brighter. in it. You know what I mean? We would see. We just saw, like, man, they're too athletic for them. And they're not putting them on TV to make them look bad. Something is there. Right, the WWE is not going to experiment. And hey, dude, Trick used to annoy experiment. the hell out of me at the beginning. Oh, I used bad. to be so annoyed. Segments. And like, he... I don't have time for this guy. He's just a bodyguard, yeah. just a you know, just a, not a very good worker. And then this guy is just—I mean, he's on SmackDown. He gets the loudest pop two weeks in the Royal Rumble weekend in in Miami, Florida. And I, I tell you what, this is going to be a triple threat match, right? At the next uh, NXT PLE. Yeah. You talk about, if you don't watch NXT, this is the match that you need to circle on your calendar to watch when these three men get in that ring and fight for the NXT championship. Without a doubt. I I could see them having Carmelo win it back off of Dragunov in the three-way. Oh, I would would expect Carmelo to win this one. And then Trick wins it at Mania. I think that would be the yeah, way for, yeah. for me. Trick's yeah. got to be the guy on the Mania weekend show. That's the one hundred percent. Yes. And you could even yeah. have Dra- man. I keep I keep wanting to go to Dragunov to Gunther. I just don't know <laughs> yeah. how many yeah. people on the main roster are going to know this guy quite yet. Or, you know, you want to yeah, probably how we're going to get there. But he's one building of the, him. Yeah, he's one of the guys we, we can pencil in um, that could be, you know, I expect Gunther to retain who last two, you know, well, the but, last two guys ooh, to beat Gunther are who? Who are the last two guys to beat Gunther? Ooh, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago. If you did, I don't remember. Let me say Dragunov. Dragunov one and one more. His last two losses oh. came right before he popped up from NXT. Braun Breaker beat him clean. That's and, uh, it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So those are the two guys that are kind of interesting if you want to tell that story that the last time he lost – they were the guys that beat him. You know, he lost. And that's all that Dragunov has to say. He doesn't need right. that NXT championship. Because he beat him in NXT. On the night he after WrestleMania. In NXT UK. He's beaten him twice. Right. He's like the ghost that haunts Gunther. Ooh, that they could do catch. that. He could Man, beat. Talk, talk about. And, and how good has the WWE been 
building these type of matches and storylines, just imagine what they could do with do with Gunther and Dragunov. And I'm not crapping on Braun because this is no. Braun's. This is his best damn work. It is, but by far the the story Dragunov coming to Monday Night Raw after Mania, you know, because that's the hot one, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you know uh, debuts and and new storylines. Uh, Man, yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you pointed that out. That that could be salty. Yeah, I expect Carmelo to win this title uh, at the PLE and then trick to win it. And uh, you know what? You know what's you know what I really like. I, I'm liking the fact, and I and I didn't used to say this. I used to say, ah, they're they're ready to leave NXT and we're ready to go. I don't think about NXT that way anymore. Do all these NXT workers get to go out on the road like WWE or like Raw and SmackDown superstars? No. You know, they do their Florida runs, and and then some of these guys and girls get called up and do shows and work matches. Why can't you have a Trick and a Carmelo and a Dragunov? Be both Raw and NXT or SmackDown NXT. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing at all, and I think that helps NXT more than anything, especially since you're you're trying to negotiate new television contracts. We know what Raw is going to do in 2025. We don't know yet what SmackDown or or NXT is going to or, do. Or, or no, no, and so, NXT is going to uh, the CW. Yeah, that's they, right. Because they, they, so, they took that spot right. that they thought AEW or even NWA that's were going right. to take, and so then they're yeah, going to be that's right. On, which will you know they'll have their own. And they'll kind of have their own world over there, which will be so. And, the next year, and, we've got what NXT on the CW, we've got WWE Raw going to Netflix, and SmackDown coming back to USA. I think that's right. That's right. I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, corrected me because I did. I, I forgot because I remember uh, some NWA uh, talent was not very happy. Well, but it was. I, it, I, there's not. There's. There's not a reason why they can't work both. Not I don't at want all. Burnout factor here, but they're massive stars and in, in two different brands. You know, so it's different than Colin Carrion Cross, your NXT champion, to go up there and just get beat and embarrassed by Jeff Hardy than, in like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then and, then, and I'm not comparing because I, I, I'm a, I'm a Cross guy, you know that. It's the way uh, they presented him. That's all. It's the way he presented him. So there's there's it's not like we're gonna go back with an NXT champion, whether it's Carmelo Trick, and have those style of matches on Raw or SmackDown. It's not gonna happen. So there's no reason why they can't work both shows. No reason. We had Dijak pick up the win over Gacy. Man, I've t- I pointed this out. I love what they've done with Gacy more. He's just Me become do. this lovable maniac that just wants to fight. And shout out to, to Gacy. He's doing a really good job right now. They're, they've tweaked this character. I thought the D'Angelo family um, six-person tag match was fun. And I pointed out, I like the character work they're doing with OTM quite a bit. And uh, we got Tony D and Stax, and they will be challenging, it looks like, Corbin and Breaker for the tag titles coming up soon. Yeah, is that the Wolf Dogs? The Wolf wolf Dogs, or they changed their... Man, uh, look, you know that I've been a Baron Corbin mark for a very long time. And I think I've said this probably until the cows come home. It's what we say down here in, uh, in the dirty South, but, uh, Baron Corbin. Hey, there's a lot of people that get, uh, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to put you in NXT. And again, this is not a demotion. Baron Corbin would get lost in the mix right now 
on Raw or SmackDown. You you know he would, unfortunately. And now mm-hmm. he's built a, a character back up with Braun Breaker. And not only is he building himself up again, not that he needed it, but he's walking Braun Breaker alongside with him. He's helping him. And that's probably bigger than most people think. So when Braun gets up there, you're like, oh, okay, that's the guy that's that that's that's been with, with Baron Corbin. But they got to win the titles, right? They got to yeah. win these titles now. I think so. I think they got to win them. They do. Uh, I want to see it. I want to see the Wolf Dogs. Obafemi picked up a win. This dude's a star. He uh, oh, dude, he's rolling. Yeah, he's he rolling. looks he looks amazing. And then we had Lyra pick up the win over Roxanne. Lola interjected. She cashed in her contract, but she ends up losing. So Lyra's still the champ. They'll probably get to another Lyra Roxanne match at some point, which is it's fine. I just I understand that they they I didn't think like I, Roxanne. I didn't like yeah. I thought Lola look Lola. I thought she's had a lot of momentum. Me too. I'm surprised they did this with her. I I, I don't like I don't like that. I don't like her getting beat by Roxanne. Me neither. On Tuesday night, I did not like that at all. We also had a vignette. The first face oh, yeah. you show to the world. The second face you show to your close friends and your family. The third face you never show anyone. It is the truest reflection of who you are. And that is a something that comes from the Japanese. It says the Japanese say you have three faces. But they didn't say that part. The 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 pro, What we saw on the screen just started with the first face you show to the world. The second face you show to your close friends. So they didn't say anything about Japanese because that may have been a giveaway. And a lot of people were associating this with Okada. Which that would be. Think about if they brought Okada into NXT. He feels like he he would be not in NXT, but who knows? Maybe he'd come in, have a match, and then come up, or however they were doing it. But this is at least something to get people talking and a fun tease out there. Uh yeah, I don't I don't have any idea other than Okada, and uh, you know, all eyes uh, have been on Tony Khan for a while with this Sasha slash Mercedes Monet. Uh, and it looks like for all indices, um, that's, that's happening here in, in next month, but this, this would be a big get if it is Okada. Could you imagine the matches? Not only he could have an NXT, but you know, on raw or SmackDown with some of these guys. Um, I mean, you think right away of Nakamura. I, 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 I like him. it. I, I like you know. it. It is as long as it's not like a massive letdown and, um, I don't think we would be let down if it's not Okada. Okay. Uh, if it is, there's somebody with a new gimmick. As long as it's not Bo Dallas though. Right. We don't want Bo Dallas. Bo Baby. <laughs> Let's get over to AEW for a few. So uh, AEW had a very good match to kick off the, to kick off their show. And you know, they, they've been struggling recently with a lot of their attendance. This was one of their, their better shows as of late. They had, I think around 5,000 here and, I thought the overall feel of this show was just a little better than some of the last few weeks, which I, I think have been some of their worst recent shows. Just definitely, not good at, definitely not it was good it was at a, all. It was a it was a big pickup, Gino. It was. And you you just feel guys like MJF missing right now a lot. And mm-hmm. when he's not there and you don't have a Kenny Omega out there, and you have Brian Danielson, but I've been really disappointed too with how they've They've kind of defined him down a little bit. And, you know, you watch Brian Danielson. This should be a time where he could feel like 
he's carrying a little more weight and be a really big star. But I think that he's at this point of his career where he just kind of he does what he wants to do, and it's funny, and it's it's not selfish, which is it's like the opposite of how most people are. You know, when in in companies, yeah. most people want to put themselves over all the time. But Brian's doing what we said, almost exactly what Cody and the Bucks and Omega did. It's like they want to be so polite and they don't want to act like they're stealing someone else's thunder or taking a spot from someone that I don't know. Like we never even got a Brian Danielson title run in AEW. You know, I, I mean, That's I figured point, when he came point. over here at one point, you were going to have that. But, you know, he said he's going to retire in what, five, four or five months. Who, who knows what that means? But, I see him, and I, I just wonder every time because Blackpool Combat Club comes out, they have a match with the CMLL guys. Like always, fine in ring work, but it's strange because are the Blackpool Combat Club heels or baby faces? I never understand why they've tried to make me boo Brian Danielson and Claudio and Moxley over and over. I think people just want to cheer those guys, Coop. Yeah, uh, it, it's. Uh, there, there's some, which is the same with Tony and it's the same they've yeah. been doing with swerve. It's if right. the crowd wants to cheer someone, you don't have to make them, uh, Hey, I'm going to say my prayers and eat my vitamins and stuff. All you have to do <laughs> is just book them against heels. That's it. You don't yeah. have to change their whole character, but just set them up in matches against people that we're going to be booing, not cheering. And at least with swerve, I'll give them credit because at the beginning they have this awesome match goes 30 minutes time limit draw. And then we kept wondering, I kept saying why this doesn't really make sense. Swerve beat hangman twice. Why would swerve and hangman be sort of even because hangman's going to be a heel now and he's going to lean into it. And I like that. He said, Nope, no five more minutes. You didn't beat me. No number one contender for you. And uh, now they're going to make it a triple threat. But I like that there was a, there was at least something to it. And now we're going to cheer Swerve, and you know, it gives Hangman something a little different because he was he just wasn't at top top tier babyface like they had hoped. And now he can go be a heel. Maybe you even see him with the Bucks get together, right? And they are all heels. Yeah. Now. You know, yeah, he he may get involved in that match uh, yep. with with Sting and and, and Darby as a, a run in or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think th- I think this was an outcome that we expected. We thought there was more than likely a very good chance that this would be a triple threat with Joe Swerve and Hangman. Um, yeah, I like the fact we're ge- he he's feeding into this hill. Uh, maybe we see, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the rocks kind of doing the same, but we're really going to see how that unfolds over the next month. Uh, I like the way he's feeding into that because swerve is so hot and popular right now. As long you're not gonna... as, as great as, as hangman, be, you're not going to top that. No, you're not. It, it's organically, it's hard to do. And it would feel forced if he was kind of acting like this, this baby face, um, an interesting question would be is, you know, Joe has taken a very bizarre, uh, bizarre is the word of this podcast for me uh, today. He's taken a weird uh, journey to get to this title. Um, I, I just, we t- you talk about booking the right spots. We don't need to see Joe and Swerve again after this because Swerve needs to win this title. 
Yeah. He needs I, to win it right now, and, and you need to put this on him. I'm sorry for the ones that say this is Joe. Um, Joe's storyline with MJF, the devil, uh, the devil may turn out to be one of the worst gimmicks that, that AEW oh has ever done. And but again, this was probably rip- supposed to be Cole. Right. This was it, he was it, it, probably yes. supposed to be here instead of Joe. Uh, so he's probably supposed to be Adam Cole yes, as your champ. Yes. You know, but yes, but we can forget about that if the right person goes over. What I'm saying is we don't need Joe pinning Hangman and Swerve saying, hey, you didn't pin me. I, no, I, I don't want that. Me neither. There, 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 you know, have, what, two, what would be better between what would be better actually would be for Hangman to pin Joe. Hangman, yes, that's and where then, that's where I was going. Yeah, now, if you wanted to do that, bad. then it gets re- right. Then we'll go with a fifth match uh, with a Swerve and Hangman. And Swerve. But, but what you could <laughs> you know, do is kind of like what we're doing with Cody right now is you're going to build this groundswell for people wanting Swerve to get over. You just got to be careful yeah. that you don't wait too long. Till yes. yes, but but I would be fine with that. I think. Hangman or Swerve needs to win this match. I yes, don't think you want Joe as your champ coming out of it. I think Joe did his job. No, hey, no. Joe, you're a great veteran. Cole got hurt. We need someone right now for this story because MJF's banged up. MJF can't hold. He's hurt, right? He couldn't He couldn't hold that belt any longer. We got to put it on someone that we can trust. We don't want to just throw it on Swerve quite yet. Hey, can we put it on you, Joe, for a few months? Help us out here, and then we can get it to the next guy. And I think that's fine. And I think that's what they've done right now. The the real credit I want to give them is with the women's division. Um, well, first off, I'm going to give a mixed mix things. The one thing I I would wish that with Tony with the gimmick that is over, they wouldn't have necessarily made her a heel. But then you bring in Deanna, and you obviously have this story to tell with Deanna and Tony, and you wouldn't want Deanna to come in as a heel. So that's the only thing that I think is a little. A little off about it is that we still don't really have someone that the crowd wants to boo between these two girls, and because everybody thinks the Tony Storm gimmick is great, and they've done a really good job with Diana right off the bat. She was fantastic sitting on commentary. She just when she speaks, Chad, it's one of my favorite things that I point out. She talks in her real voice. She just sounds like a person saying words that a person would say. They don't sound fake. <laughs> she has a real history with Tony and she just comes off normal, regular in a good way. And I think for a lot of the crap that we've given them and that I've given them, I think they've done a really bad job with a lot of the women they bring in. Who the hell knows what's going on with someone like a Brit Baker? How come we don't see her ever at all? Like well, what? well, and look, what what about Soraya and and Ruby? They're on rampage, losing matches. Soraya was freaking DDTing the Suns mascot a couple days ago. Did you see that clip? Did you see that gimmick? Yes. Floating around, and then they, they tried to. It's funny. You could tell she was so into it that somebody went up and were like, "Okay, our time is up," and she wanted to keep going. She wanted to keep fighting that gorilla. That 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 yeah. son. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's, yeah, they have, there's been some, a lot of swing and misses, Uh, this is, I've said it over the last couple of weeks, Um, I've been pretty negative about AEW, and I'll defend my negativity, but um, a bright spot has been Deanna Perrazzo coming in, the way they've handled her, even before that, this, not a lot of people are, can, 
can kind of get with this this new Tony Tony Storm gimmick that she's doing. But I think it's her all the way. Um, we're there. I'm invested. Now, as we fantasy book, um, you know, we had a major announcement, Gino, again, that they're that they're coming to Boston at the TD Garden Arena. And we all know um, that Mercedes Monet is uh, on the way, a, you know, is on the way. So do you have Tony go over on Deanna? Do you have Deanna go over on Tony? How long are you going to have Mercedes Monet wait around? That's why I would have liked to have, don't put Sarai on TV, which if you watch Rampage, God love you because there's not many watching Rampage. Spoiler alert, if you're watching it on Friday night, she loses in a tag match against uh, Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander. Her and Ruby Soho lose the match. So if you're bringing Mercedes in, I would have kept Soraya off and then Mercedes comes in and look, you have a natural, you really want to bring some new set of eyes, have her and Soraya in the ring at the same time, sooner or later. I don't like the booking they've done. Um, I, I, Tony I completely Deanna agree has been with a home you. run. But, I think they're building but, the division you know, better, but I don't like the, the, they booked themselves into a weird spot right now. They're in a very weird spot. You know why? And I, again, where is Britt Baker? Why is she not on no TV? No idea. Is she, is she hurt? If she is hurt, why isn't she interviewing people in the back instead of, look, I love Renee, always have, always will. But, I mean, she's doing 40 interviews in two hours. I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. They are stacking the division. It um, feels it will help. like right now, Tony and Deanna are two characters that are probably more over than we've almost ever had two women characters on their roster. You know, I mean, I we've agree. had Brit's bit, Brit's been over, uh, Hater's been over, and then Tony's been over, and that's been about it. Like, one at a time, they'll be popular for a little stretch, Thunder Rosa for a little stretch, too. Other than that, we haven't had multiple characters. And so, the one thing I don't want them to do is I don't want Deanna to lose this and then just get shuffled. They cannot do that to her. She's too good to just lose to Tony, and then that's it. Oh, Mercedes comes in, and and Mercedes is the champ, and, and she's going to be running the division. They cannot do that. So I think, I mean, if it were me, I would have it be something like Tony and uh, Deanna, their match gets, the first one gets interrupted, and maybe at some point Mercedes interrupts it. You know, and she attacks both of them, or it's someone like Britt that attacks both of them. I don't think you want there to nah, be a that, clean that's, finish. No, that that's my booking, one hundred percent. That's my booking. I, if you want to go schmozzy, and we don't like schmozzy, there's times that call for the schmoz. Gino, that's a perfect match to have it in. Yep, exactly. The other few notes from AEW Dynamite, we had um, oh, Sting and Darby pick up the win. In uh, 14 minutes, they beat Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Okay, I'll say a few things about this. Number one, the fact that Sting is doing all this stuff, it's really incredible and impressive. He, he doesn't need to be doing all of this, but I don't I don't like it. One, the way they built this matchup, it's, these matches need to be more of Darby doing most of the work, Sting a big spot or two. That's what it should be. That's what That's all that's needed. Sting was out there doing a little too much, and 
it almost hurt. It almost really cost the end of the match. There were some bad, a couple bad spots at the end of the match because Sting was going for a while, doing a little too much, and you don't want to jeopardize that final match of his. And I don't know if you want to have him beating guys like Ricky Starks clean in the middle of the ring. Ricky Starks doesn't care. Ricky Starks is happy to go lay down for Sting. I'm sure he thought it was cool as hell. He has no problem doing the job for Sting. But for us watching the show and watching these characters, I don't know if I want to see Sting, you know, beating a guy like Ricky Starks who could be a future world champion. And they're selling tickets for the show and the crowd's super into it. And I think with the angle at the end with the young bucks acting like heels, I do think the bucks and Sting and Darby is going to be fun But man I just I was a little bummed And maybe it's because I'm a Bret Hart guy too And when Sting tries to lock in that Scorpion death lock I want to vomit I'm <laughs> sorry like, Wait a minute, bro. I want to throw up <laughs> I, It reminds me of another one of my favorites Who I love The Rock When he used to try to put that sharpshooter in It was like oh, yes, yes, God, What yes, is going on yes. He'd do like the one foot And he steps through And he's holding it with one hand yeah, Kill me like, now oh, Please no and, that's, and maybe that was my big problem Because Sting He can't really bend over and squat Like the way you're supposed to To make it look like that sharpshooter hurts Would Brett Would be leaning back And cinching it in And Owen might have even done it better than Brett I, I gotta be fair to be honest Owen did it yeah. just incredible too both, The both of them But yeah. I I'm excited for the, the the final month, you know, of of what where they'll get to revolution. But I'm going to ask you this real quick, Gino, as we wrap it up with yep. with with Darby and Sting being the new AEW Tag Team Champions. Last match, right? This is uh, going to be his last match. Them and the Bucks. So do they win? Do they win? Give up the titles. We, so we have the <laughs> tournament, or the or the bug or do the Bucks bury them and win the titles again? Yeah. See. Initially, I was thinking that the Bucks were going to win. And the more I'm watching this, it's just they don't need to win. And it actually might be better for their characters if they don't. They're whiny and they're pissed off and they lose. And then then they figure something out. Like you said, a tournament to do with the tag team. <laughs> they, they love themselves some tournaments. We could do another one, another one of them. But I, I, the way to do it always has been you put someone over on the way out. Right? Isn't that always been the way to do it? But I don't know if you need to put the Bucks over. I'm saying Sting's gonna win the way they're setting it up. I think they'll have him win the yeah, match. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and you, and you got it. But here's poor Darby. Wait a minute. I'll, I'll find me a partner. Maybe they'll do a Chelsea Green, and she finds her. Oh partner yeah, the ch- and they keep the titles. You know. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, yeah. You know. We got. Um, we have to. But, any, you know, it's, it's in your contract. It, it, it was to get a Chelsea Green mentioned in on the show. It's in your contract. I, it, it's in my contract. Uh, yes, it is in my contract. Uh, it's part of my uh, hospitality rider, along with the green M and M's and the uh, the Fiji uh, uh, expensive water, Gino. But I'm with you. This was a much better episode, even though there were seg- several segments I didn't like. This was much better than the previous several weeks. It I was. think that the one key for me, they didn't feel like they tried to do way too much on the show. And jam right. in a right. bunch and of see, stuff. And I kind of thought that with, and I thought that with NXT. I thought NXT yeah. on Tuesday we had a lot they of were, stuff happening. I agree with you because there was a few segments that were just didn't feel like you could have waited. Whoa, another week. whoa, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So Coop, as we get ready to uh, to finish up, it's the final football game of the year coming up this weekend, and you know whether or not some of these teams 
right now could have lost a couple of weeks ago or here or there. It's a good matchup, right? If we would have said at the very yeah, beginning yeah. of the year, we're going to have Chiefs 49ers in the Super Bowl, nobody would have been surprised. No. no so where, where are we going? How are we, how are we playing this thing? Man. There's a million different props, Super Bowl, halftime, national there anthem, there all the different things. I'm still looking at my uh, Usher set, <laughs> set shows because I love playing the halftime, but I don't, I don't have as good of a – a feel the last year I was a little more into it. Like with Rihanna, I thought a few years back when it was Katy Perry, I think I had a really good sense. I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'm older Usher. When I I think of Usher, I'm thinking, you know, you remind me of a girl. That's what I'm thinking of Usher, old school Usher. But, uh, Coop, talk to us. How are you playing this thing? Man, you know, I've got a couple of little, little bets out there. I I jumped immediately jumped on the chiefs plus two and a half when the line opened right away. It's just hard to, yeah, look, it's just hard. It's really hard to go against Patrick Mahomes. Um, The dude's just not because he's from, from East Texas and uh, as a Texas guy, but the guy is just a winner, but man, you know, my feelings have kind of changed a little bit over the last uh, week or so. I'm kind of buying in to, I mean, and rightfully so. Kansas City's the defending champions. Um, the way they've turned it on over the last couple of weeks and, and, and the way they've jumped out in front of teams and beat them, I was impressed. Um, but I, I've kind of kind of turned a little bit here. I, I think Purdy, um, look, Taylor Swift's favorite number is what? 13. She was born on Friday the 13th. Um, these, there's albums. There's all kind of stuff. What's Brock Purdy's number? His jersey number Gino. 13. It's number 13. I look, I, freak accident, Purdy last year. Um, I think this is going to be a very, very good game. I, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling that I'm probably on the wrong side. Nonetheless, I'm not going to put money on San Francisco and try to middle any of this stuff. Instead, Gino, I am going to miss Reba McIntyre's national anthem. The over under is a low. 90 and a half. That's very, very low. Okay. The under is the favorite. I think it's minus 130, minus 140. So I did a little history. I did a little research. Um, Gino, I went back to 2007. That is the last time a, a, a musician hit 130 in the national anthem. And it was Billy Joel. If you look at other low ones, Kelly Clarkson, 134. Um, Mickey Guyton a couple of years ago, no clue who that was. 135. I'm going the over here. I know Reba's old school and old time, old time. Uh, she's old, old time hat here. I don't think she's going to draw out these notes, but I think we're going to get over 90 and a half. And I'm, I'm getting some plus money here, so I'm loading up before this game even gets started. Reba McIntyre over 90 and a half seconds, national anthem. Watching some of that Reba show the other day at my parents' house. My mom loves that thing. <laughs> she says it's actually pretty funny. Good old Reba. Shout out to Reba. Yeah, look, look, the NFL did great for the older people that don't watch the game, no have interest. You know, she was a coach on what, uh, The Voice? Or, yeah. some, or she was one, like one of the judges. So they're bringing somebody back. My dad loves those musicals. She's shows. in Little Rascals. He, he loves American Idol. Yeah. She plays, yeah. What, so, she play AJ? Uh, she plays the, the driver, right? The uh, the NASCAR driver yeah. in that, in that yeah, uh, yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, so, so I'm going to load up here. I'm going to unload. Uh, and my biggest bet is on the freaking national anthem, Gino. Now, I may be chasing Gatorade colors and all kind of stuff. Usher, if he's going to sing, yeah, last. If little John's gonna be there, what? You know, I, I, you know. Okay, <laughs> okay. 
Um, but it's here. It's Super Bowl weekend, man. It's going to be fun. All I want is to hear some at some point, you got it, you got it bad. When you're on the phone, I hang up and you call right back. I, want, I need a little you got it bad from Usher. Koopaloop, my friend. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Good luck in your plays in the game. Let's see what's going on with everything in the world of WWE. Thanks so much to all of you for hanging out with us here. Make sure to follow Chad on Twitter and on Instagram at the Chad Cooper. And we'll be back next week talking about everything going on in the world of pro wrestling right here on That's What G Said. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A big thank you to Koopaloop for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Barry Spears talking some Tampa with us this week. And Eric, we made it all the way through another NFL season. Good luck to all of you playing the Super Bowl. Eric and I will start talking some basketball now in the coming weeks. So hope everyone has a great weekend. Good luck with all your plays. We'll be back again real soon right here on That's What G Said.